While marchers are demanding more gun control measures, some conservative lawmakers in Texas are calling for more teachers to get weapons. Most teachers are emphatically against it, but some isolated school districts, where the nearest officer is miles away, have armed up. NPR's John Burnett has our report. The leaders of the Herald Independent School District hope that if violence comes to their tiny town on the Texas-Oklahoma border, they'll be ready. Half of the district's 27 employees, men and women, teachers, janitors, and coaches, are trained to shoot to kill an intruder to protect their students. Superintendent Cody Patton is in the school gym watching basketball practice. This is our summer workouts. So we've got junior high kids all the way up to high school. They start at 8.30 in the morning. They'll do... uh... Cody Patton has deep roots here. The family ranch is just up the highway. In fact, he says he was combining wheat until midnight. Having coached sports in the area for years, he was hired last summer as superintendent. Since the mass shooting in Uvalde, Patton has been answering lots of calls about Harold's very public reputation as one of Texas's most armed school systems. Our situation is a lot different. I know some of your bigger schools and a lot of the people are against it, but they're not in our situation. We are a rural school in the middle of nowhere. The scenario they fear is a gunman pulling off busy US 287. The school is the most prominent building in town and sheriff's deputies are 20 minutes away. Make that an hour away if a freight train on the Burlington Northern tracks happens to block the roads into town. There isn't much to Harold, Texas. Surrounded by wheat, cattle, and wind farms, the town consists of a water tower, a volunteer fire department, 20 or so houses, a big Texans for Trump sign, and the century-old schoolhouse. It has 125 students, K through 12. We're so small, you know, you can't really afford to, to pay for your security officers that are there on campus that deal with anything and everything. In Harold, a teacher cannot carry a concealed handgun where a student could get it. It has to be kept in a lockbox nearby. Patton likens the additional training he and his team, he calls them, are undertaking to a parent taking swimming lessons. Arming our teachers is basically going ahead and signing up for those swimming lessons to give us the best chance to save that child when in need. We don't want to be the ones that have to sit there and watch that child drown. Groups such as the National Education Association, the American Federation of Teachers, and the National Parent Teacher Association strenuously oppose arming teachers. In a recent survey by the Texas American Federation of Teachers, 77% of respondents said they do not want to have a gun. I would quit. I would quit teaching. I would step away. I don't want to be trained to shoot an intruder that comes into the school. Michelle Cardenas is a pre-K teacher at Dell Valley Schools on the eastern edge of Austin. I went to school to teach kids, to inspire them to grow future leaders and future police, firefighters, whatever they want to be when they grow up. My job is not to carry a gun. There are two programs that allow armed teachers in Texas, the Guardian Plan and the School Marshal Program. The Guardian Plan is loosely regulated. Local school boards authorize employees to get training and carry guns on campus, which are normally gun-free zones. About a quarter of Texas schools have adopted it. 
The school martial program is more rigorous. It requires 80 hours of training, a psych exam, and proficiency at firing 700 rounds of ammo. To date, 71 districts have school marshals. Since the Uvalde shooting, Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican who's running for re-election with Trump's backing, has refused to consider more gun restrictions. Instead, he urged school districts to hire more campus cops and train more school marshals. The state offers grants to train school marshals. Again, pre-K teacher Michelle Cardenas, who is a regional president with the Texas State Teachers Association. So we can find money to arm teachers, but we can't find money for curriculum. We can't find money for supplies, for materials, for pay, to pay our hourly employees a living wage, but yet we're going to give them guns. A 2018 report by the Federal Commission on School Safety cited several instances where school-based police prevented gun tragedies. But a 2020 study by the RAND Corporation says the evidence is inconclusive about the effectiveness of arming teachers. This isn't for every teacher. It takes a special type of teacher to be able to do this. Russ Ramsey is a coach and ag teacher at Harold High School. He says a lifelong love of hunting and a familiarity with firearms has prepared him to be a school marshal. But at the end of the day, even trained responders don't know if, in the heat of the moment, they'll risk their own lives to save others. In Uvalde, 19 officers stood in the school hallway for more than an hour instead of immediately confronting the shooter. I would like to think that I would get the problem knocked out as quick as possible. But there's really no, until it happens, there's no way of saying if you can do it or not. Most of the students at Harold Schools are transfer students. The superintendent says the parents have told him why. In this day and age, they feel their kids are safer in a school where half the staff are locked and loaded. John Burnett, NPR News, Harold, Texas. I be seeing people out here, you know, usually you just put it in there and you just, you know, chill out for a few minutes and then it let us do its thing. But when you're broke, you can't do all that. You got to be watching this motherfucker because, you know, you got to pull it at the right time. Yep, that's it. We good. You don't get to the crib. Florida gas prices, yeah, they continue to creep closer and closer to five dollars a gallon. The gas prices are skyrocketing, heading into the work week. Some gas stations hitting north of six dollars per gallon. KPX last month at this time, the average gallon of gas was four dollars and thirty cents. Now today, that gets you less than a gallon of gas. And prices for a gallon of gas in Columbus have had a major increase over the past week. We've probably all have noticed. Gas yes, it's hard not to notice that gas prices are up. According to AAA, the national average hit $5 a gallon this weekend. It's a big part of the ongoing surge in consumer prices, and it's not just bad timing for summer road trips. It's particularly bad news for people who drive for a living. Drivers for ride-hailing apps, transportation businesses, and Inflation is cutting into their bottom line. Dennis Briggs owns D. Briggs Transportation in Pittsburgh. So we have roughly a combination of 40 vehicles, which includes um, vans, uh, party bus, uh, limousine, and, and a couple suburban vehicles. 40 in all, I would say. How much are you spending on gas with all those vehicles? Like, I would imagine they take a lot of gas. In the past, it was $12,000 a month. Now it's $20,000. Okay, so that's a big difference. Oh, so yeah. it was $12,000. Now it's $20,000. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so yeah. so so that is, uh, that's a lot. Like, how does that 
affect you having your gas prices go on, your fuel prices go up that much? It's definitely a bit of a shocking experience to me because the the change was so abrupt. Um, I mean, I really, I didn't, I didn't quite anticipate that large of a, dr- a jump that fast, but here, here it is. It's here. So we're, we're dealing with it. I mean, we have to, we have to deal with it. We have to be optimistic. We have to continue to, to run our routes. We have to continue to service the public, answer the calls and, um, be there for our um, for our customers and be there for for our employees as well. I guess I, I take the attitude that you have to take the good with the bad, but we really are experiencing um, a challenging time in our company right now as a result of the increase. Is inflation also affecting other parts of your business as well? In in addition to just filling up the tanks. Well, see, the thing is, I mean, you have the gas, but then then the prices of tires have increased. Um, and, and then when you think in terms of um, our our longer trips that we might take, like we're in Pittsburgh, we have a trip this weekend going to Maryland um, in our 18 passenger bus. You know, I, I got I got to factor in a whole lot more money for, for the gas, the cost of gas, which means I either have to raise the price on the customer or I have to, to, to kind of like take it on the chin and take the loss myself. It, like, are you able to kind of sustain that to keep kind of cut, having your profits cut into in that way? Or do you think you'll have to raise your prices? We're going to definitely have to raise our prices. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying not to do it so, so, so abruptly because, again, I'm optimistic and hoping that things will, things will um, level out soon. And so are there areas, though, where you've had to cut back because of, you know, the rise in fuel prices? Yes, ma'am. So so there's some trips that we just we couldn't afford to do it for the price. You know, I mean, for what we were having to pay for gas and what the customer was willing to pay on their end, we couldn't meet in the middle. So as a result. We wound up not, not 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 being able to service that customer, not getting that business, and that's that's been happening more frequently within the last month and a half. How how is hiring going right now? Like, is it hard to find drivers? Can I say this on that one? God has been good to us. I mean, I think that um, we, this is only our fifth year in business, and um, we've been we've been experiencing a steady influx of applicants um the schools have been offering us summer opportunities and and it's it's a positive thing do you i mean i guess just like looking out into the future you said you do think you'll have to raise your prices right now gas prices are high they don't seem like they're going down anytime really soon um like is there any are there any other kind of long-term strategies that you're making? I think um, the greatest defense is to have a, um, a strong offense. And um, I feel as though getting more business, that way we can absorb that increase in, in cost and we can keep our prices as, as affordable as possible because we're doing a, a larger volume of business. Dennis Briggs of D. Briggs Transportation in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate you.
There's a dramatic shortage of lifeguards this summer. In fact, the National Recreation and Parks Association says eight out of ten parks and rec departments can't find enough staff. Christian Fodenwenzel of Oregon Public Broadcasting reports. She's usually a preschool teacher, but Azzy Bayou has taken this day off to teach her own four-year-old how to swim. She's balancing him on a blow-up unicorn in the pool at East Portland Community Center. There you go. You did a great job. Good job. Let's hold it too. Let's keep our feet up. Bayou thought she'd easily be able to find someone to teach him this summer, but there's a long line for swim lessons. We were trying to uh, register. They don't have any, and it's like a waiting list. So I decided to come out with him and show him the experience, how it feels being in the water. A few years ago, Portland had swim lessons every day, even on weekends, but not this summer, says Andy Amato, who runs the aquatics program. Compared to pre-pandemic, our, our indoor pools were probably running at about uh, 25% um, for swim lesson, um, what they were beforehand. That means 75% fewer lessons. Lifeguards both teach swimming lessons and keep the pools safe. This year, the profession has been hit by a perfect storm. The pandemic closed public pools and lifeguards had to find another work. In Portland, pool managers had to start from scratch to fill 750 summer positions. Amato says they don't have half the staff they need yet. The job can be intimidating. There's, I think, some people have that preconceived notion that if I'm not like a swim team swimmer, that I, I can't do this job, where that is not the case at all. The historically low unemployment rate's not helping. Most summer jobs don't require as much training or scooping poop out of the pool in front of friends. Portland Parks and Rec spokesman Mark Ross worries the lifeguard shortage disproportionately impacts kids already at a disadvantage. Ideally, swimming pools are democratic. Studies show children of colour are more susceptible to drowning and he says pools are a summer oasis for low-income kids. The splashing and the joyful cries and the wonderful feeling of drowsy fatigue and getting some snacks after splashing around, that's what we're here to provide. The American Lifeguard Association estimates one-third of the nation's beaches and pools are affected by the shortage, and that doesn't just mean fewer swim lessons. Tens of thousands of pools across the country are closed. But there are exceptions. Glen Otto Park sits on the bend of Oregon's Sandy River. It's a beautiful and popular beach, but it's also dangerous, with underwater snags, rapids, and freezing snowmelt from Mount Hood. Still, it's all staffed up this summer. These environments are really different than the controlled environment of a pool. Sean Rawson runs the River Rescue Program here. It's supported through a partnership with an ambulance company. With more training and better pay, these lifeguarding jobs provide a path into fields like firefighting and law enforcement. Lifeguard Andrew Fox is already an EMT. He stands ready in his wetsuit with a paddleboard, life jacket and knife. He says the gig's fun. It piqued my interest because you're out of the ambulance for four months, you're out in the sun, you're swimming, you're doing a lot more active things. Lifeguards here helped close to 200 swimmers last year. Fox says that's what this job is all about. For NPR News, I'm Christian Fodenwenzel in Portland. Now, the important thing is to be realistic. We all like you here, you know that. But you're a nigger, and a lawyer is no realistic goal for a nigger. But why Mr. Ostrowski? I get the best grades in class. I got voted class president. I want to be a lawyer. Now, I want you to think about something that you can be. You're good with your hands. Making things. 
people would give you work. I would myself. Why don't you become a carpenter? That's a good profession for a color. Wasn't your pa a carpenter? Jesus was a carpenter. People like you as a person. You're doing real well. Remember what we said. Nothing succeeds like success. Let me hear it. Back in 2021, five female trailblazers spearheaded a new approach to representation and inclusion in the legal field. Representing different law firms across the city, they founded the New Orleans Legal Diversity Collaborative, or NOLDC, with the mission to increase awareness of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal community in the area. To learn more about the NOLDC, why it was formed, its mission for the future, we're joined by two of its founding members. Aliska Plunkett is the Director of Human Resources and uh, the Chief Diversity Officer at McGlinchey Stafford. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And we're also joined by Heather Lonian, Member and Chief Diversity Officer at Stone Pigman. Welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thank you. So first to start off, can you tell me a little bit about the founding of the New Orleans Legal Diversity Collaborative just a year or so ago in 2021? What was the motivation behind it? Whose idea was it? Well, I was the instigator. Um, and to be perfectly transparent, I was really looking for support. I had just been named Chief Diversity Officer in January of 2021. I went in just looking for someone to bounce ideas off of. And these other four incredibly dynamic women wanted to take it to a completely different level. And the next thing I knew, we were planning and um, hosting our first our first presentation. So Heather, what are some of the issues surrounding diversity that the NOLDC wants to address? As an initial matter, the matter of lack of representation and diversity in the law firms. Um, New Orleans, as you know, is a very diverse city, but that diversity isn't reflected in the sort of the larger downtown law firms. We're finding out this generation that once we sort of enter these spaces, we're still not very well represented. And even a bigger problem is that once we get into these spaces, a lot of times we end up not staying there for structural issues within those law firms that make them not hospitable to us. Um, there's less overt bias, less overt you know, bigotry and sexism in these spaces, but we're finding out that the law firm itself was created decades ago, back when the only people who were lawyers, who were the only people who were judges were, were white men. And so the law firm was built around a structure where white men came in and worked lots of hours. These spaces, these networks weren't ones that were made for people like us. And because of that, they don't really feel organic to, to diverse people for lots of reasons. So talking about structural disparities, what are some of those disparities when it comes to diversity and inclusion in the legal community in New Orleans that you want our listeners to know about? I think a primary concern is just starting with representation. I mean, Heather and I were discussing this. Representation is a start. And honestly, we haven't made the strides there that I wished we had making sure an individual that comes in has opportunities to work on substantive and meaningful matters, not just being the person we hold up as, yes, we have a diverse attorney on your on your case, but that that, that attorney is given the opportunity to actually perform that work. We've made strides in representation, but we're really not making strides in true inclusion and uh, promotion or, or equity in the firm. Mm-hmm. Are there any advances that you've seen being made structurally to these issues that Heather mentioned, like, you know, maternity leave and opportunities for advancement, even if you're not working 80 hours a week? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have within my own firm, I can say um, we really wanted to foster an inclusive environment that encouraged diversity and trust um, and leadership, moving people into leadership. Um, we'd had a diversity committee. We had uh, employee resource groups or affinity groups, but initiatives weren't really getting pushed over the finish line. We've really taken affirmative steps to try to make a difference so that when someone comes into our law firm as an employee or as a client, that they feel that inclusion, that that everyone is welcome and they're welcome to bring their authentic self. Like, like Aliska, we were trying to, to make DEI intentional. You know, DEI was originally sort of thought of as, you know, what things you weren't allowed to do and what things you shouldn't do. You know, mm -hmm. it was focused on non-discrimination. And now we're trying to take the thought process into what are the things we should do? What are the things that are positive? You know, diversity isn't sort of a bad thing you have to do. It's a, it's a positive thing that we want to do to ensure that everyone within our firm does feel like they can bring their authentic self to work and that they don't have to hide their authentic self in order to advance. We're speaking with two of the founding members of the New Orleans Legal Diversity Collaborative, Aliska Plunkett and Heather Lonian. One of the topics that you have addressed is advice for women launching their legal careers. Can you tell us some of that advice? I'll start. I know we both probably have a lot to say on that. I think we have made strides moving women into leadership roles, uh, working on making sure we are including at least 30% diverse candidates for any position, whether it's bringing someone in from the outside into a role or promotion from within the firm. Um, but going back to what Heather said, I think it's still a challenge if you're going to start a family. Uh, I, I think you're exactly right. I think one bias we still have is that women will be the caregivers. I think it's important for women entering the practice of law. It is all consuming, not just time consuming. It is a 24 seven day. You never know when you're going to get hit with something at work that needs to be dealt with. Heather, what do you have to add? I know part of it is do women choose to go into the legal field in the first place, but also do they want to stay? Yeah, I think that one piece of advice I would have is that one issue that women probably more than men generally tend to struggle with is imposter syndrome. You know, we, mm. we, you know, no matter how accomplished you are, no matter how well prepared you are, I think it's good to, you know, to not only to find a mentor, but to be a mentor or advisor. And, and the most important thing, a piece of advice, I think, is also to, to practice self-care, to mm. find something that's completely unrelated to your job that you like doing and to set aside time to do it. Because if you don't, you know, nobody's going to set aside that time for you. I guess the, my last big piece of advice is there's no job, there's no amount of money that's worth being miserable every single day. If you hate coming to work every single day, then find, find a new job figure out what you like to do and do it. There's just so many things you can do with a law degree too. Just because you've gone to law school doesn't mean you have to enter private practice. There's many, many other opportunities where your law degree is so valuable and you, you can use it doing something that brings you fulfillment and satisfaction. And lastly, I wanna ask you about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not just in the legal field, in all professional fields, you're seeing DEI now. It wasn't long ago that DEI was an unfamiliar abbreviation and now it's talked about in multiple contexts. Why do you think the DEI field has grown so much over the last few years and where do you think it's headed? 
I think one one big motivating factor was the big societal events of, of 2020. Uh, you know, the George Floyd murder, the you know, and, and the and the societal change. I think another piece of pressure is generational. You know, the the young associates in law school who we want to hire, who we want to recruit, they have different expectations about what they want their work experience to look like, what they believe that society should look like. Then they expect to see that reflected in their in their work environment too. Do young people coming into the legal profession have some power now over their work environment that they didn't have in the past, some power over what they want their environment at work to feel like? Is it not just a top-down situation now where the employer, where the bosses tell the employee what it's going to be like? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we... I, I do. From an HR, I'm also the HR director, and I can tell you they absolutely do. Um, the war for talent right now. It comes with more than just expectations of money and, and working hours. It, it comes with an expectation of what my working environment will be, who will I be working with. Um, so yes, this generation coming in has that power. Eliska Plunkett is Director of Human Resources and Chief Diversity Officer at McGlinchey Stafford. And Heather Lonian is a member and Chief Diversity Officer at Stone Pigman. Both are founding members of the New Orleans Legal Diversity Collaborative. Thanks to both of you for joining us today on Louisiana Considered. Thank you, Adam. White supremacy is the sickness. Hundreds of San Diego police officers got to skip the COVID-19 vaccine because they said it was against their religion. But that exemption came with a requirement that they test for COVID-19 regularly. Now, KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser says some of those officers say their religion also prevents them from taking the COVID-19 tests. Officers told the city on religious exemption forms that the Bible instructs them not to put cotton swabs in their nose. My beliefs stand for keeping my body clean and free from such unnecessary drugs and chemicals, one officer wrote. I trust in God's perfect design of my body and that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, wrote another. The phrase, I trust in God's perfect design of my body, was repeated 19 times in the records obtained by KPBS. We previously reported on many officers using the exact same answers on their forms and copying those answers from form letters on the internet. About 10% of the police records KPBS received the city is providing them on a rolling basis, makes this religious argument against using swab tests. The city's Human Resources Department is still deciding how to handle those requests. But in the meantime, the officers are still on the job and are unvaccinated and not getting tests. The officers claim that the swabs contain a cancer-causing chemical called ethylene oxide, but they don't. Realistically, there just is no evidence indicating that that would occur. Dr. David Pride is an infectious disease specialist at UC San Diego. He says ethylene oxide is not actually present on the swabs. It's used as a gas to sterilize them. The use of ethylene oxide is not new. It's something that's been going on for many, many years. So if these were causing cancer in people, we would absolutely know about it now. In fact, he says any police officer who's gotten an influenza test probably used a swab sterilized with ethylene oxide. Still, officers argued the Bible says they shouldn't take COVID tests. Some wrote 1 Corinthians 6:19:20 states, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? 
who is in you, whom you have received from God? It really strains credulity that this would have any application there at all. Caroline's Purdue is a New Testament professor at Point Loma Nazarene University. It's talking about avoiding sexual immorality. These are so outside of the range of what could have even possibly been imagined by the Apostle Paul when he's writing or the Corinthian Christians as they're reading it. Many officers refusing COVID tests also compared their stance to keeping kosher. My belief in this regard is similar to the objection others have to eating unclean food, some officers wrote. Lyons Purdue says equating nasal swabs to unclean food is also not biblically sound. This one seems just a really difficult, a mismatch for what Paul is even addressing and, and the ways that Christians have applied kosher laws in a symbolic way to other aspects of life. It, ju it just simply um, doesn't fit. As a Christian herself, Lyons Purdue sees a biblical argument for actually getting the COVID vaccine and testing to avoid spreading a virus to others. It strikes me that there's the, a, a great irony in using the scripture to seek to preserve even the slightest and really speculative possibility of, of minor harm to one's person when so much of the New Testament is focused and really fixated on a testimony to a savior who was willing to undertake death and then told Christians that they would need to take up their cross and follow. Many of the objections came from sworn officers represented by the San Diego Police Officers Association. The union's president did not respond to requests for comment. Dr. Pride at UC San Diego suggested there might be another reason some San Diego police officers are refusing COVID-19 swab tests. You know, who wants to get a swab stuck in their nose every week to be tested? But I think they're kind of barking up the wrong tree with the idea that they're going to get cancer from just getting these nasal swabs. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. The San Diego Police Officers Association and the San Diego Police Department did not respond to requests for comment on this story. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria also declined to comment. I don't want to cause any problems, Lieutenant. I just want a new partner. Oh, I understand. Your partner's a racist prick, but you don't want to stir up any bad feelings with him. Well, he's been on the force for a long time. And, uh, 17 years. And I do have to work here, sir. So, you don't mind that there's a racist prick on the force. You just don't want him to ride in your car. If you need me to go on record about this, sir, I will. That'd be great. Write a full report. Because I'm anxious to understand how an obvious bigot could have gone undetected in this department for 17 years. 11 of which he was under my personal supervision. Which doesn't speak very highly of my managerial skills. But that's not your concern. I can't wait to read it. Good evening, Joyce. Well, the lawsuit states that Lieutenant Charla James Hutchinson, along with Sergeants Dion Alexander and Sabrina Braswell-Boyer, who hold the highest rank among the Sheriff Department's black female officers, have endured an environment of discrimination and harassment while working at the Pierce County Jail. And this has impacted them both emotionally and financially. Now their lawyer says they've had enough. Pierce County is facing another lawsuit over discrimination. 
This time, the lawsuit was filed by the three top black female officers who work in the Pierce County Jail. The lawsuit states that the Pierce County Sheriff's Department have both participated in and ignored racial harassment and discrimination, as well as gender-based discrimination, and allowed the culture of animosity towards African Americans and women to grow and fester. The officer's attorney says examples of the toxic environment are easy to find. Uses of the N-word in the jail setting, uses of uh, comments like black protesters should be shot or run over. And it's really the top-down culture that's being perpetuated and allowed to perpetuate within the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. According to statistics from Pierce County, only 12 black women work for the Sheriff's Department which has a workforce of 689. Driscoll says this lawsuit wasn't the first option, and the officers attempted to notify their superiors of what was happening. But their complaints were ignored, and they say it wasn't just happening to these three officers. When an African-American employee files a complaint, it might sit there for a year before it's even addressed or investigated. When a Caucasian employee files a complaint, it's addressed immediately. So what do the officers want to see happen now? Driscoll says nothing more than what the county is already capable of. They want this environment to end, and there's ways that the county can end the discrimination that they haven't done. They can do additional training. They can have more supervision. They can investigate these complaints rather than sleeping them on, sweeping them under the rug. Uh, there's a lot of things that the camp county can and should do, and at the end of the day, it's their job. Now, I reached out to the Pierce County Sheriff's Department, which oversees the operations of the jail here, for a comment on the lawsuit. However, I was referred to the prosecuting attorney's office, who states they, they cannot comment on pending litigation. But for now, we're live in downtown Tacoma. Lionel Donovan, King 5 News. Lionel, thank you. Okay, thanks, Matt. A former Cole County Sheriff's deputy is suing the county for claims of racial discrimination and retaliation. Kami Bates, Madeline Herbert is here in the studio with a closer look at the lawsuit against Cole County. David Barrett claims he was fired from his job as a sheriff's deputy two months after telling his co-workers that he is biracial. Here are some of the details from the lawsuit. The Cole County Sheriff's Department fired Barrett after 15 years of service. The department says he was fired for incompetence and abuse of authority, along with dissatisfaction and loss of trust. Barrett also claims he was never disciplined for these reasons before being terminated. He also says he was treated differently after his co-workers found out that he is not white. I spoke with Nimrod Chapel Jr. today, and he is Barrett's attorney. He says Barrett never went through the name-clearing process. This process allows officers to present evidence to try and clear their name. Chapel says this is not the first time the Sheriff's Department has faced allegations of discrimination. There are a number of individuals who uh, work there and have made complaints, and there are other individuals who sought to work there and weren't allowed to. Chapel also says he thinks the Sheriff's Department fired Barrett for, quote, made-up reasons. I called the Cole County Sheriff's Office this morning, and they can't comment on the case at this time. In the studio, I'm Madeline Herbert, KMU8 News. The cows. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. I got very distracted. The report that we heard, the very last report uh, where they were talking about uh, Mr. David Barrett. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. He's named in the uh, suit. 
where oh, let me make sure I get the yeah David Barrett had it correct the first time um, I made the audio segment but there was no image of Mr. Barrett I was trying to see if I could find now what does he look like all of the news reports that I've seen talking about this incident this is the one where he says that they found out he was so called biracial and then all this trouble started and everything I'm trying to see like so is he saying that they thought he was white and everything was fine and then somehow either he shared or whatever they discover that he is not white so called biracial and then everything became a problem I just I, I need to see what he looks like to see is this possible like this fellow was so called passing was accepted as white and then that was no longer the case and, ah you can't work here anymore. God, I mean, ah, incompetent no trust dissatisfied <clears throat> if anybody can find a image for Dave Barrett or I guess David B-A-R-R-E-T-T former Cole County deputy uh, let us know I guess this is in Missouri yeah we'd be interested in, in seeing what old Dave Barrett looks like anyway this is our weekly summit neutralizing workplace racism today's date Friday June 17 2022 so I have been told this broadcast not for spectators you go on your job number one they're not confused about your racial classification and you don't ever have to be worrying and fidgeting and ooh, they're going to find out I'm colored ooh ee. that's not me they know I'm a nigra I'm fine I come in I work they don't mess over my hours they don't mess over my schedule it's consistent if I need time off have to go and you know tend to my children or whatever the case is summertime can't have them just being around idle uh, no problem I get my raises you rather you get your raises if you have a performance review evaluation every time you get exemplary comments the highest possible evaluations every time you have a big work area or a huge office you are well compensated they don't pull any shenanigans with you oh you didn't get your rona shot and all this you're interested you get paid correctly and you are compensated and valued let us know how have you accomplished this share some of your tips maybe we can emulate some of your workplace comforts the number 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate new day I did say that on Wednesday I had been saying for years like there should be another program 
or at least another installment of the cows where there are no metaphors and it should be workplace racism. Well, now that is the case because there are no metaphors to be used when you call in on any broadcast of the cows should have been workplace racism a long time ago just for today alone the amount of metaphors that we heard in that segment obscene from beginning to end I mean if any time there should be precision we want to be exact we need all of the details we do not want any sort of vagaries or anything you know this is kind of subjective or I'm not, I'm not even really sure exactly what this means and, and, and in the workplace we want everything to be precise not swept under the rug if you have difficulties problems certainly do not be a spectator Give us a ring. We will do our best to use logic to help solve problems without creating new problems. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. As always, email until justice at gmail dot com until justice at gmail dot com. We'll read your emails as we roll if you would prefer to remain anonymous. Uh, and again, still begging, if we have folks, please report COVID nineteen in your workplace. What is happening? You heard the report, uh, the enforcement officers in Oregon, and that's got to be just because, hey, Oregon State didn't even allow niggers to live there. So just by evidence and history, it's got to be disproportionately a huge number of individuals classified as white. And they have been obstinate for two years. Well, I can't say two years, but it's been a good year plus since the vaccine was available and they started saying, you know, certain employees, doctors, frontline employees, so-called enforcement officers got to get the vaccine. <laughs> no way. Not going to tell us what to do down here in Oregon. <laughs> Not doing that. No way. They had so much non-compliance from white enforcement officers in Oregon. They said, hey, forget it. We, we just won't enforce it. They were supposed to be with all the other state employees where they did all that. Hey. You're going to get vaccinated or you're going to lose your job and all this did that in Washington state too. We had cows listeners that happened to them. Enforcement officers, you're supposed to be setting an example for all the other citizens. Nah. Now we're at this point, not only we're not going to take the vaccine, not doing those tests either violates my religion. What? Apostle Paul said it right here. No, no vaccines. That's what Apostle Paul said. But wait a minute. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what Apostle Paul meant. I don't think he was saying don't take the Rona vaccine. Well, you don't know what Apostle Paul meant now, do you? Hmm. Think I'm going to have you just sticking anything in my nostrils and poking me in my arm and I'm a white man. I'm a, see, I said that for two years. 
that is one thing that I have learned like wow I really did not grasp that like I'm white you don't tell me what to do my body you don't tell me what to do white man white what mask (laughs) test I'm white you do that for the this is a nigra disease anyway remember they had that report played that not too long ago they said that white people I'm definitely not doing all this because this is nigra disease anyway let the colored people do all that. Let them, you know, take this jab and they, they do the crack and all that. Let them do all that. You know, I'm white. You don't tell me what to do. Threaten me. Blackmail me. Stunning. And then got biblical, the religion of white supremacy. That's all that was. I'm white. You don't tell me what to do. It doesn't have to make sense. I know what Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul said, hey, white man. That's what Apostle Paul said. Get away from around here with that vaccine and what have you. Go jab some of the colored folks in Portland. Oh, it's no black people in Oregon. (laughs) Let's see. Did I have anything else with Oregon? Mm -mm -mm -mm. Imagine that if that was black people. President Obama, really anybody. You all any black people that you can think of said that they're going to do that and then they didn't say like five or three they said hundreds of white officers being defiant like man imagine hundreds of black people being defiant like that it was well what are we going to do mm-hmm uh, let's see. In the repetition, that was one. I'm glad I took notes. The repetition of phrases. There is a moron who does that on a pretty regular basis. Tracking now, because they said, man, they got certain phrases in here 19 times. Hmm. There's a moron who I hear does that all the time. Book club, other times that we read text, just paying attention. Now, how many times do people use this word? Because that can be informative. You would have to read closely to do that sort of thing. Uh, let's see. Nursery. Oh, yeah. that. All of that. I don't want to hear anything about Nurse Rivers ever again in life. Unless you can tell me that Nurse Rivers is why the whites in Oregon are not doing the jab and what have you and how come it's been widespread white behavior like that unless that's Nurse Rivers too I don't want to ever hear her name again and even better name some of the white people from the syphilis Tuskegee experiment most to blame uh, going back to the beginning of the report where they talked about the classroom specifically Oh, and even the reason I went out of order was begging for victims of racism to make sure share what is share in general but specifically COVID-19 like is it all hey we're done with that not testing no mask high fives brought in hot dogs for everybody to eat let's eat in fact let's eat a hot dog together I'll take a bite you take a bite COVID's over is you know is that what it is or is it nope we're still distancing we're at home whatever you know what does the workplace look like? Because that is, it's kind of all over uh, in terms of just what are the rules? Are there rules? Is it back to mask? No mask? High fives all around? We're done with all that? I mean, 
Not that it has been organized and logical at any point, at least here in the States, but I mean, wow. Whole summer of madness indeed. All right, so back to the beginning. They talked about the teachers. Now they said, for context, they were talking about a kind of small rural area of Texas that's kind of far away uh, in terms of proximity from most other areas. So it might take some time for if some sort of major emergency incident involving gunfire took place, it would take a long time for enforcement officers to arrive. So at this location, I guess they've trained educators for to have firearms. But <clears throat> this has been talked about previously. Uh, I'd say I, at least over the last five years or so, I've heard this repeatedly after shootings, but it was talked about quite a bit after the Uvalde uh, shooting a few weeks back. Uh, and I guess it's still being uh, discussed and have a whole summer uh, to talk about it before the fall comes around. Uh, but <clears throat> I have... <laughs> We have educators. Is this the case? Any of you all? Are they talking about this in your area being armed to be in the classroom? Like, wow. I mean, we already have. Uh, remember the fellow they nicknamed Officer Slam? We had that thought that was, you know, not constructive and dangerous. Now, just everybody, physics professor, algebra instructor, geometry teacher. And then a lot of times the shooters in these situations are young children. Like, really? Anywho, uh, if we have any educators, you've thought about, processed all that, let us know. Uh, the next they had a parent teaching their child how to swim. And then they went through the whole process talking about it's not going to be as many lifeguards and the implications that that even and they mentioned within the report ooh, implications for children of color they say now they left out the whole history of white terrorism behind that but I mean we just talked about all of that so that is something to keep in mind I guess one if you are an attempted parent you have offspring and they're going to be out and about we talked about this last week so you'll need to revisit but hey be mindful Get those swimming lessons if you can well in advance. <clears throat> Maybe make sure you have a long and regular talks with your child about pool and water safety, especially if they can't swim. Doesn't take a lot of water. And then <clears throat> conversely, now even within that, they said, hey, <clears throat> these jobs can be a path to some really nice careers if you get one of these jobs where you get quality training that they interestingly mentioned Oregon again so I'm pretty sure that's not black people who were getting all that great training and a great great career path from doing a little you know lifeguarding keeping folks safe while they uh, do a little tomfoolery and splashing in the summertime uh, and, but Hey, if you can swim, that might be a job opportunity. I think one of our listeners in Virginia was talking about her child doing retail or whatever. Like, summertime, maybe you can get a job at the beach. That is way better than having to shake folks down over stolen soda pop or what have you. I can get my sunglasses and chill, get an umbrella and talk to some of the young ladies about counter racism. Uh, let's see. That would be motivation to uh, learn how to swim and then something to do. 
keep your skills or even refine your swim skills, hey, you could be a lifeguard. Lots of openings. Get out there and do it. Uh, let's see. The They talked about the increase in gas and how that's impacting people who drive. We have lots of listeners, Nick Over the Road and Bay Area Mom and some of the other folks who do some driving. Think Victim in New Jersey. Many other folks. Uh, Irie, who, who talked about driving uh, as a part of their career and man the gas impact uh, and prices that that's having on so many folks their willingness uh, to drive or even what services uh, that they offer and as they said no decrease in sight especially not for the summertime that's you know you got to make all the money possible one thing because I believe that was a black person that they were speaking with on NPR that's audio only uh, that's another thing to think about many but if you are an entrepreneur we're not in charge of anything so individuals classified as white they can just come and say hey gas is going to be $11 a gallon today and we're in charge and you're not so $11 a gallon hope we don't make it 12 further evidence just being an entrepreneur does not and they said they talked about that in the second city was so abrupt no opportunity to plan exactly that's system of white supremacy being an entrepreneur does not solve your problems uh, let's see they had the New Orleans Legal Diversity Committee with Aliska Plunkett and Heather Lonian. Now, Heather Plunkett I believe is a white woman they're just looking at the images photographs that they had and Heather Lonian black female victim of white supremacy once I looked at the founders of NOLDC and saw that three of the five listed founders appear to be classified as white I had a lot fewer questions about why that segment sounded the way it did why the focus was where it was total exclusion of black males and all of this talk about in fact they did not use the term racism at all we got diversity, inclusion, equity. In fact, before I saw the image of what these folks look like to say, oh, they got all these white women or individuals classified as white in the group. I was like, why do they have all this white rhetoric in, you know, the, the organization, how it was put together? And I'm like, oh, it's good. Everything. I understand. I understand. Because uh, they, they didn't say racism, white supremacy. We got bias, bigotry, sexism, diversity, inclusion, law field dominated by white men. So now we need a bunch of white women. And then we'll throw in a few of you uh, female people of color. And again, no mention of black males at all. I looked, according to the various reports, it's approximately 5% of the attorneys in the U.S. are classified as black. 5%. I'm pretty sure that they're not all male. So, easily, this could be, let's increase the number of black males and black females. Nah, 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 nah. Women! Women, I said, every time when they say women, they mean white. And they had the individuals classified as white in the center when they had the founders photograph for N-O-L-D-C. No surprise at all. And they had so much jargon and 
And I said, I just read a whole lot of it, bigotry and diversity and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they said, you, you can be your authentic self in the workplace. I have no idea what that means. I don't think anybody behaves the same way, conducts themselves, speaks, acts in the same way that they do when you are in your residence, or at least I hope you don't. I don't think that's advisable, even if you own the company. I don't think that's it, but that's how you end up with old Jeffrey Tubin. So all that, that's what I, no metaphors. I have no idea what that means. I do not encourage anyone. Yes. Show up to work as your authentic self going to be problems. And you can maybe tell me what that means after you get in trouble. I was my authentic self and woo cardboard box. Uh, let's see. And even within all that, they said uh, they had advice for women launching their legal career. They didn't say they had advice for non-white. 80% of the legal field is classified as white. They didn't say white male. They said 80%. So I'm quite sure there are a few Marsha Clarks in there. Remember that OJ Simpson, OJ Simpson. I'm quite sure they got some Marsha Clarks in there. Quite a few of them that being the case easily it could have been advice to non-white people or even they could have did it the tacky way they normally do women and people of color nah that's not what we do we have advice for what meaning white women starting their legal career Ruth Bader Ginsburg yes 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 um, and then they said that the imposter syndrome that's you know tackiness metaphor there too uh, but women experience this, not men. Now, I actually have heard black males, victims of racism, talk about this. Non-white males in general talk about this, but they're totally excluded as in, from this report, as is frequently the case when workplace issues are discussed on mainstream white dominated outlets. Even a lot of times non-white people. This is the way we talk about these issues. Black male privilege. Heard that this week. Yes, indeedy. Um, and even they said war for talent. Metaphor again, war for talent. But in my view, that that is white culture. That is the white mentality, how they think that's the war is white supremacy, racism. But everything is about hostility. It's not about cooperation with this cutthroat. She could have just said, man, it's competitive. You know, it's a challenging market to try to get the best. People. It's war. For that, what is it? Backstabbing, lying, deception, anything. It's war. That racist man, racist woman, racist child. And again, the war is white supremacy, racism. That's why you don't have any Negroes as lawyers. That's why they don't get hired. Um, Pierce County. Now, they didn't say Seattle, but Pierce County, that is Seattle, uh, said all of that is Pierce County is uh, depending on where you're going in Pierce County. But that's basically 30 minutes, depending on traffic uh, from Seattle proper. So it's all the same thing. Um, but that was where they had the uh, black female pol uh, police officers, enforcement officers. They said the top three black female officers in Pierce County had their report of discrimination and harassment again refuse to use the word white supremacy racism same thing women misogyny and all the rest of it so what did what give the details what what was going on in Pierce County 
calling them Negroes. Oh, okay. That's not racism. White supremacy. They said black people, they submit a complaint report of wrongdoing, rules violation, whatever it is. And it sits that languishes for a year. Heard that one frequently. Oh, we'll get right on. We take this serious. We'll get right on. We'll get right on. Get the next summer. We get right on it. We get right on it. Mm -hmm. Get right on it. Get right on it. Mm -hmm. And then white people submit a report immediately. Now, that's one right there with detail. If you could get the data. So how long does it take? Because that information exists. It would just be. Can you get access when a individual classified as white, when they submit a report, how long does the investigation take? They would have that from the time that the report was submitted to the time that the investigation was concluded and final actions were decided. How long does that take? Three months, six months. So you can get a baseline. And then how long did my case take? Now, if the normal baseline is within a five month period my case now we're at 16 months and we still don't have a resolution now what is so extraordinary about this case that's one where I wouldn't say we gotta drag our feet are we deliberately subverting justice due process that you see the difference that's why it should have been this like years ago no metaphors in the workplace subversion of policy and procedure is substantially different than sweeping things under the rug. Let's see. Oh, and they said black people should be shot. <laughs> that was the other one that yes, the Negroes and then the the Negroes should be shot. I'm so sick of these protesters. They should be shot and killed. Like woof. That is discrimination, and that even that we we can't call that racism, white supremacy. Ooh, gotcha, gotcha. Were they saying that since they said women? So they just had a whole lot of white chicks out in the street, rolling around, cutting a fool, abortion, hands off my tubes, and you're not gonna tell me what to do. Women's choice and women. Okay, so were they out there saying the same thing then? Because that just happened. That was recent. That's way more recent than uh, George Floyd and all the rest of it. Were they out there then? Oh, my God. These heifers should be shot. Heifers, cows. Were they saying that? Did we hear that? Because I didn't hear nothing about that. And I would have played it if they had. Like, wow. They are clowning out in Pierce County. But I didn't hear that. Those niggers should be shot. which did happen uh, black male was shot right at the Chaz uh, even though that's not Pierce County but I mean that did happen right down the road uh, anything else oh I already talked about the last one by ratio if anybody can find an image of what David Barrett David B-A-R-R-E-T-T what he looks like that would be awesome just so that we can see does he look like he could have been accepted as white and if he had never I guess divulged I don't know I guess whatever he said if he had not shared he would have still been employed no problem they would have just thought he was white and things would have just continued like I if we can find an image of him that would be great I feel like if you're an enforcement officer you should have like there should be a picture of him in his uniform right when he used to work there we should be able to find that yes I think number again seven two zero seven one six 
7300 the code 564943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate the email until justice at gmail.com again we'll do our best use logic help solve problems without creating new problems and addition I guess you if you have uh, if you have triumphs figured out some things that work well share you're having difficulties problems share we will do our best uh, and then COVID-19 let us know how that's progressing in the workplace and then June 10th if that is happening if they got to put up decorations and all the rest of it come with some crude humor let us know because that you know is supposed to have been going down and I've seen a few reports in fact I'll share one of those as we kind of get through the broadcast uh, first few folks who dialed in victim in New Jersey Bay Area mom should be with us uh, let us know if you have thoughts on that by the folks as we proceed Hey, Gus, victim uh, from New Jersey. Um, you know what? You, you mentioned you mentioned Nurse Rivers, and um, you know what? Like, I don't know if this is workplace racism, but I just recently had to tell somebody how to do their job, and this was one of the uh, one of the, the heroes of uh, you know COVID uh, essential workers. Uh, father was in a, my father was in the hospital. They found him passed out. So I went to the hospital, um, get to the ER room. They say, you know, he's in room 107. Um, he's not in room 107. He's in front of room 107. Um, so I see the nurse that's attending him. You know, I say, hey, you know, how you doing? It took me a while to find the lady, the nurse, uh, the hero. And, um, I say, hey, what's going on? Oh, you know, my father's, you know, he's not, he's unconscious, but he's not, he's not cognitive. Um, oh, you know, he, he just seems like, you know, he's just, um, you know, just, just, just drunk. I said, he's drunk. I said, excuse me. I said, um, did you do any blood work? No, 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 we're, we're, we're doing that right now. So how did you come to the conclusion that he was drunk? Oh, no, you know, he, he just was in and out of consciousness. And, lady, um, can you point me to the, uh, you know, the, um, the floor doctor or whatever doctor is seeing him? You know, so after, you know, I called his wife and, you know, um, I had her get on the phone with the nurse. And um, unfortunately, you know, the wife worked in the, uh, my father's wife worked in the um, hospital. So she asked me, she says, um, you know, so I went to my father. He's in out of consciousness. I said, you know, he says, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dehydrated. They have food just sitting there. Okay, you give him a plate of food. He's unconscious. He's, he's, he's cognitively, he, like, he, he's not functioning. So how's he going to eat? How's he going to drink? His wife, you know, um, so do they even have any IVs hooked up to him? No. So I go to the nurse. Excuse me. Why don't you, why aren't you hydrating him? The man is diabetic. He walks around with um, medication on him so he can have an insulin. So he has like, like, so he can pump insulin to his body. So, you know, to avoid a heart attack. 
you know? So, again, I said I'm not going to get too long drawn out on this, but, I mean, since you brought up Nurse Rivers and, you know, people not doing their job, you know, so eventually I stayed until they, uh, um, you know, put the IV on them, you know, because I wasn't going to leave until, you know, they were doing that, you know, to, so the man could be hydrated. You know, he's dealing with all kind of medical issues, and you just assume, tacky nurse, that he's drunk. It, it, it was just, just you know, just, just ridiculous. Uh, but um, the um, driving, um, I'm still out on a knee injury. I probably should be going to work in two weeks. I, I live about 45 minutes away from my job. I don't know how this is going to set me back financially, traveling back and forth to work. You know, having, you know, with the gas prices, that's in New Jersey, that's almost reaching six dollars. So I, I don't know, you know, um, how that's going to set me back uh, financially. Um, you know, my trucking business, I had to uh, shut that down. Um, the cost was, was getting too high. Um, so, you know, I sold the truck. Um, I was, I was, um, lucky enough to get, uh, um, enough money to pay the truck off and a little bit more cash. So I was able to pay off bills that, um, was accumulated for the trucking business. Um, they just wasn't paying enough and the gas prices are going up. Um, you know, New York City. It's, it's about $150 just to enter New York City. And a lot of these dispatchers was, was you know, um, charging me 400 well, was paying $400 straight truck load to um, enter New York City. So that's $150 right there, you know, and plus gas. You know, so unfortunately I just kind of like had to um, – um, just, you know, just, just weigh out the losses. Um, I was putting out more money than I was making for the last three months. So I'm going to move in the direction of getting a tractor trailer. Tractor trailer will be more lucrative. But however, you know, I, I have to get my class A license. Um, that's going to run me about 3000 to $2,600 to upgrade my license so I can operate the class A because I don't want to put another driver behind the wheel. You know, my partner was driving, but I, however, he had limitations. He wanted to, he wanted to be home, um, you know, at a certain time. So he wasn't willing to go, um, certain, um, he wasn't willing to go over 200 miles. So it was, it was just, it just really didn't make sense. So I had to, uh, sell the truck. Um, I'm, 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 you know, the company that I work for, I do have a lawyer. I'm lawyered up because listen, I don't know what this knee injury is going to do is, is, you know, what kind of effect is going to have on me. So I, I need to be compensated. Um, you know, I really don't care if this uh, current job, uh, looks at me, um, unfavorably because, um, you know, I'm not suing them. I'm suing their, uh, customer. And um, their insurance company. So, you know, that's what I'm doing. And if they got a problem with it, then, you know, I'll just find another plantation. Uh, with that, I'll close.
Wow. Much obliged for the commentary, uh, victim in New Jersey, a drunkard. Wow. That is, uh, hmm. Medical apartheid. I mean, and that right there, that is counter racist codification. We talked about that. I was almost going to say from day one, but that would be a metaphor. But we talked about that almost from the very beginning of the cows coming back on the air in 2009. We had Vernelia Randall on the program, which he's been here many, many times, even since COVID-19 started. But the very first time she was here, uh, we talked about her book, Dying While Black. She's a nurse. Well, I think she's retired now, but she was a nurse for a very long time. And she said, hey, any uh, black person, you care about them, relative, friend, whatever. Uh, and you, you know, they're they are not well. They have to go to the hospital or what have you. You should have someone who is there just check on you. They don't have to have a medical degree from Harvard. Uh, they don't have to, you know, be a registered nurse or, or have medical background. They don't even have to have read medical apartheid or dying while black. Although reading both of those books would help just be there. Eyeballs open and do that thing that Gusty gets accused of being a no count savage for ask quite exactly what we heard hey, say that all the time for the workplace stay in the question lane you can save a life and we've got lots of examples uh, Renelia Randall she had examples in her book and uh, when she spoke with us but we've, off, we've also had other uh, listeners victims of racism who've done the same thing and I don't think any of those folks who've told in same thing that we just heard from victim in New Jersey I don't think he has a medical degree I don't think he was pre-med at any point and just gave it up so he does have some medical background that could be the case but I don't think so just really how did you ascertain that he was drunk basic questions you said he's drunk oh hmm. how did you come to that conclusion oh who's his doctor let's see what he said drunk did you tip the he had jack daniel bottle falling out of his pocket just asking questions to see you know what's going on here and we've seen many times just having one other black person who is there and is not in a poor state of health they are feeling relatively okay where they can think they can see this person is not drunk they just need help. I thought this was the place to go to help, to get help. Not for more white supremacy racism. We just, what did I say already? Crackhead. Drunkard. Narcotics peddling negros. Yes. Yes. Even on the job. That's how they think of us. That's why he said he's going to get lawyered up. He was injured on the job. Have legal representation. Don't care if they view you unfavorably in a system of white supremacy. If you are classified as not white, especially if you have been placed in the Negro category, you are already viewed unfavorably. Certainly that can get worse in a system of white supremacy. But I mean, you know, that's what Negro means. Unfavorable unfortunately trying to change that producing justice but certainly I can understand he said six dollars a gallon for gas New Jersey area and then New York has all those wacky tolls and everything else trying to get into the city 
as I said, being an entrepreneur, racist man, racist woman, because they control it. They also, we decide what the tolls will be and how many tolls there will be to enter New York City or wherever else it happens to be. We make that decision. The gas how much you're going to be paid even if you are self-employed still have to deal with racist man racist woman I certainly am not discouraging anyone from going into uh, business he didn't even say discourage them he just said I'm figuring out a new plan bravo but just understanding hey we are in a system of white supremacy racism so it's just a different way of having to deal with racist man racist woman racist child uh, but definitely good good luck continued with the rehab he said another two months and absolutely I mean as long as he's been doing rehab and everything like who knows like what type of uh, if this will be some sort of recurring injury if you will be fine if this will be something that you feel later in life or what have you so absolutely even even if you come out perfect no residual you know harmful effects or what have you full range of motion everything's great don't even have a scar from any of this and you got to spend time with a cute uh, physical therapist wonderful even if all of that is the case like man to have to do all of this for months and months and months and months and months no absolutely that's one for sure when you if you're on one of those jobs and it should be all of them when they go over workers compensation pay attention we should all that should be one we have questions we should all have questions about sexual harassment what should be done how is that handled in the workplace and then worker compensation especially if it's a job where there's a high risk you could be harmed injured accidentally whatever it is let's make sure we know what the procedure is go over it in detail many times that's one where you do not want to be confused and all that I'm injured and now is the first time that I'm learning about the policy like you want to kind of know that in advance ask questions look over it a few times in fact pay attention to all the updates as well that is even since I mentioned the book that is in medical apartheid she has some grisly stories about black people being hurt on the job and then they didn't get proper medical attention and the same thing happened where people just assumed you are a no count trifling worthless black male exact same thing that we just heard medical apartheid top five reading more important than watching television we more important Uh, much obliged victim in New Jersey Uh, let's see Uh, other folks who dialed in if you have a hand up uh, Bay Area mom, uh, if you have commentary to share, should be with us. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm going to get back in my car. I'm in West Oakland, and they're having uh, some kind of foolishness for to uh, so you're distracted from the real violence that goes on in West Oakland in particular. There's jumpers and so forth. I'm volunteering. Anyway, uh, workplace racism. I was interested in the uh, Oregon police and how they, uh, because I do remember certain particular states were very adamant about not getting the vaccination and how uh, 
clever they are with the uh, testing because uh, I think since they uh, they say if you don't for certain jobs if you don't get the uh, vaccination you have to test consistently so they're like <laughs> the good Bible says so when they he, they kept quoting the Bible and uh, things uh, pertaining to their religion I was thinking Christianity and then I was thinking. Ku Klux Klan, because I do know uh, that they're supposedly Christians as well. And um, I noticed that they use Christianity to benefit them, whatever verse they they come up with, whomever uh, the uh, disciple that they want to um, so-called quote. I'm going to use that that first Corinthians, what's the first 110? I'm going to... Oh, as soon as I get a minute to uh, get my thoughts together, I'm going to use that too. I have a whole slew of uh, different things as well, but I believe if it were um, non-white people, particularly black people, we're the most religious on the plantation, right? We know the Bible back and forth, right? Let us pull a verse out that says we're not going to do what Massa Missy said. So um, anyway... My workplace racism, I haven't been at the school district this week. Uh, summer school starts next week. I'll do next week summer school. Um, I think I'll be at the high school. Yay, yay. So I do it uh, for the income um, in general. I'm looking for some online, anything that's even a little closer. Uh, oh, gas is awful. Gas is so high. It's like almost seven, sorry for saying like, it's almost $7 here, California-ish. I pay a good six for gas uh, the last time I went the other day, and I got to go back. Um, they don't care. I got a job. I had an interview today uh, with a company. Um, they wanted me. They reached out to me. I'm not bothering anybody. They, oh, you could do this and this and this. Hey, how about coming to Oakland Unified School District? <laughs> Call me. We'll talk about it. So they are, she's already sounding how a little nervous. And so she's, uh, well, you know, and everything. Is this okay? Is this okay? Okay, well, so you'll get this. Is this okay? Okay, so you'll deal with uh, mild, to, uh, mild to severe uh, people with whatever disability. And, um... Okay, is that okay? I said, no, I don't, I'm not. What's age range? So basically, starting to 12, I said, no. Well, 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 uh, well, you know, for the, do the job, you have to do all ages. I said, well, then don't say that. Just say the requirements are this. Don't give me a choice because it's not okay with me. I don't want to do, I'm not going to high school. Now, yeah, I'm going to high school for the summer, but that's because I want to, but I'm not working. I'm not doing, you're not going to have that wide of a range for me to work anywhere. That's too wide of a range for me. Um, so we got past that. I said, okay. And then you, they're real tricky. I, I know it was a white woman. So they're real tricky with words. So she's using, what she's making statements. Okay, is that okay? Well, that's the description, right? I was like, okay, well, let's go to the next part you just run down the description and don't ask me if anything's okay just run down the job description then we got to the pay 
She's like, okay, so we'll give you $28.50 or something stupid. I was like, oh, for Oakland? It's like, oh, Oakland? Oh, you're tripping. I don't want that kind of money for Oakland. You have to pay me more to work in Oakland. And she's, well, uh, we'll give you, uh, I'll try to go up to 29. I said, you're going to have to go way in the 30s, in the 30s to talk to me, in, in all honesty. Well, I could see, uh, you know, we're only giving this amount, and then with your higher, I guess I have three years' experience, so there's maybe a dollar for each year. I I don't care. Oakland is already, uh, has a lot of issues. They're already neglected. They already feel like no one cares about them, and then you want me to come in and deal with the behavior for under $30, please. So that's what I told her, and uh, so she's well. If we uh, think if we can um, raise the price or, or you know, come up with more money, we'll 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 call you. I just think just dealing in education in general, you should pay more. And then they're trying to push the paraeducator job on people. The paraeducator does the same amount of work as the educator. She's just kind of like a susha <laughs> it's did you're just underneath the actual teacher so you do all the work you're dealing with everything you're a teacher but you get paid less than me so they keep pushing this paraeducator thing especially for the city of Oakland and I said no because you don't pay these people enough and I'm doing more work with what I do, I deal with your behavior only. I don't care if you uh, do your homework. I don't care. All I just stay on task. Just look like you're doing your homework. I don't have to worry about what you know, what you don't know. I did a lot of that just hitting all those different schools because of the lack of teachers and paraeducators. But I don't have to. I don't want that to be my dominant job, trying to teach little Ricky to read and make sure little Ricky's able to read and all the other behaviors that these children of trauma have, especially in Oakland. I was offered uh, when school starts. So I got a call today. The reason why I'm doing summer school today is because I got a call today from a very nervous white woman asking me what I worked the summer at the high school. So I said, I think it's me too, because I'm not the easiest person to communicate with. So she was stumbling on her words and just do it like she's reading from a paper trying to get me to do this. Uh, then you could have said something last week, the week before last as well. And you're the first person that I call. You know, you're the first person that, you, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, it's not, it's not the full amount of hours. I understand that. So she's asking me, well, you know, I just want to know if you want, do, do, do you want to work? I said, I don't mind. I don't mind doing it. I, I don't mind doing it. Um, it's easy. I don't, I don't really mind doing it. Well, you had to let me know, you know, I have to know before the day is out. I have to know now. And I'm just listening. So I said, let me just press mute so you can finish rambling. Let me just press mute. And so she's just rambling and rambling and nervous. You know, I just, I just want to need to know, you know, I just want to let you know and and need to know if you were able to do it. And I just want to have to know now. And then I paused for about a minute and then I got back on the line. I said, "Um, can you hear me? And she said, yes. I said, oh, great. I said, I was trying to let you know, I don't mind doing the job for the summer. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you this and this and this. Look, lady, 
just send me the information. I'll check my business email, and I don't have to talk to you anymore until I have an issue, okay? And then that was, I hung up. I might have said goodbye, may not have, and I hung up, and then I got this email. But they're real funny with the school system enforcing you to work and under these conditions for very little pay and the commute. Because like you said, Gus, I do commute, and it's awful. But what if I, I don't have a lot of options. And then entrepreneur, they're selling entrepreneurship. They're even buying, making you buy courses to be entrepreneurs, making you believe that you'll be able to work work for yourself to get yourself out of this, knowing that you have to deal with all these other people. They showed us during the um, 2020 how they shut our entrepreneurs down, shut all our little businesses down, and then made us open with uh, the new requirements that change every so often. So thank you for taking my call. I will mute my line and um, listen in. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Sounding like yours truly using her mute button. Uh, I was thinking, and I certainly am not trying to, you know, push uh, the no count wasteful colleges and what have you and degrees and what have you that they stack up that can't be used or what have you. Especially she was talking about the entrepreneurial programs that they have that, you know, might be similar. Uh, But having uh, lived in California and worked in a school system in California, uh, they have programs, just an idea. They have programs where they'll pay you to like go to school and get your degree, even uh, get your master's in education. Um, I'm not sure if you're interested in all of that. Some people, you know, but just not feeling all that uh, the metaphor, I think they would use hoops that you would have to jump uh, in terms of courses and paperwork and assignments and all the rest of it that would have to be done. Uh, But I mean, three years or so, depending, you know, what your academic record is. But I mean, you could really like, I've seen this done like realistically three years. You could have like a master's in education and triple your salary Uh, and I mean they would pay you like they have those programs in California I am certain that hasn't been asked because they don't have teachers in California that's why they're calling you up and you know all being unprofessional and and, uh, anxiety riddled uh, in talking to you Uh, and lots of places don't have enough educators so that might be something to investigate Uh, I'm sure if there are other Cows list. We have some other educators in the California area who might know better than Gus since I'm not there anymore and not in that field uh, about those programs. But a lot of times they even have jobs that will participate in uh, paying you to finish up, get, you know, that degree, get a master's or what have you. And then just teach in the same environment that you're teaching now, teach the same children. It's just you as opposed to these unprofessional racist white women and you know you you it and all the rest of it it could be you um and like triple your salary or what have you um just something to think about like yes if you can find one of the programs perhaps and yeah especially like i said one of the ones they will pay you to do that you could do it online like it's not i suspect you could a lot of this you wouldn't even necessarily have to go to class per se you could just do it 
online, write your reports and what have you. It would be so cute. You would be in school at the same time as our young Bay Area scholar. Like, how about that? Y'all could then celebrate and go to Hawaii together or something. Anyway, just a thought. Uh, in the meantime, uh, real tricky with words. <sighs> Another reason right there. We do not want to use metaphors and be alert because as I've said for years, master deceivers love metaphors. Now, I don't even have to be specific. Like, woo, I don't even have to talk directly about what it is that we're supposed to be addressing. Like, oh, no metaphors. White people are very tricky with when you're talking with individuals who are attempting to be deceptive. You want to be very precise and efficient with your use of words. Especially when it's time to talk about a new job, really all components. That's why I said workers compensation that we don't want any metaphors and messing around what is the policy and give it to me slow like I'm six years old that is a metaphor but just meaning tell it to me so I don't misunderstand make it very easy for me to process this information Then they get to salary. Black self-respect. I'm so glad to hear. I think we had non-Clemson grad and the black African. Some of the other cows listeners, cows investors uh, who got on and talked about being able to get a raise. And I think both of them had real tacky uh, experiences or uh, I don't Yeah, experiences with getting there. It couldn't just be, hey the black African you are brilliant hard worker dedicated shows up on time doesn't rape any white women (laughs) anyway you have been a fantastic asset to the company giving you a can't be that we gotta mess around I don't know you're kinda angry are you angry you look angry looks like you're angry uh oh you about to rape someone oh Oh, okay and then wait and come back a week later well you know we thought you were a little angry uh, are you you still are you angry you sure you're not angry okay because we were thinking we were going to go ahead and give you that raise after all but are you, you you sure you're not angry about it okay all right we'll give you the raise like that's it it can't just be yeah i got us all these accusations and i'm almost a rapist and everything else and okay now i got my raise and i think even with nine clemson grad like Man, did I get this on time? Did I get everything I was supposed to get? Have I been underpaid? That's why I said before, if you're being compensated correctly, what you should be getting for the work that you do, the value that you provide to that company. And I mean, hey, all of these lame white instructors that Bay Area mom has told us about, like, come on. You're sabotaging me and then begging me to come work at all these come work with the high school students and all these. Man, come on. 
And then she said, trying to steer her. I chose that verb uh, deliberately. Oh, why don't you look at these P or parent teaching? I think that's what called parent teaching. Yes, yes. We'll be paid $12 an hour. But don't even think, you know, you don't teach for the money. I'll tell you something. That metaphors, they will break them out then, buddy. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to have to tell me a lot more when it comes to salary than $28. Black self-respect. There's a labor shortage. They said that in the audio clips that we heard. Labor shortage, especially with educators. So you're not going to metaphor lowball me, come in and try to pay me way below what my value is. Especially with gas, like that's an enormous component to think about now. Like whoo, anybody that because they do that also as well. Mr. Fuller talked about that where he said uh, he worked and was never late for 30 years. And he said some of that was because eh, I could walk to work, which I mean, now that's still impressive, but I could walk to work. So those days when it snowed or you know, traffic jam, whatever, car accident, you know, that sort of thing. I'm walking to work. That is definitely something to fact. He talked about that like it's a lot of things that you have to think about with regards to a job. Uh, you might get that job and start out in the summertime. Then in the wintertime, Buffalo, it snows, you know, three, four months consecutively. Whole different amount of time and, you know, whatever it takes to get to work. You might start, got this job doing the commute before COVID-19 gas was two fifty a gallon or what have you. Now it's $7 a gallon. <laughs> like, whoa. And some of the black people talked about that in the news clips. Like what? So abrupt. Couldn't even uh, prepare for it all. Lots of things like that can have an enormous impact and us being in a weaker position, like just, it will have a substantially higher impact on us than individuals classified as white who have substantially more resources. But yeah, black self-respect, uh, ask for what we are worth. Uh, let's see. Oh, and when people are being tacky like that on the job, I think that is uh, brilliant. I think those moments, like she said, the uh, suspected racist woman calls her and is, hey, won't you work on the job? Can you do it for something I got to know right now? She said, I hit my mute button, sip my tea, enjoy some of this California sunshine, miss you, Tupac. When she's done, Okay, she's still rolling. Okay. Whew, California dreaming. Oh, is she almost done? Almost done. Miss you, Rodney King. Mm. Mm. Oh, is she done? She's done. All right. Woo. Okay, let's see. Can you hear me? Love it. Didn't come back yelling. And who are you calling to me like that? You don't call on my phone. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Just send me the information. Thank you. Not going back. Not trying to argue. Like, I really want to have the shortest 
possible conversation. Remember, and I said that before, that's white culture. That's not every single white person that you talk to, but the metaphor that was used earlier, she said, it's war for talent. That's that's right there. She could have called. How are you doing there? Your mom. So good to hear from you. Wow. I know you just got out for summer, but we're looking. We're so understaffed right now for summer school. If you could help us out, it would be really appreciated. Is anything we can do to help, you know, make it easier. But man, we need help. Can you help us out? Now, she could have done that. Why could you not do that? It's war for talent. And two, I'm talking to a nigger. I suspect she might have known. I'm talking to a nigger, so I mean, you know. Hurry up, nigger. You gonna do it? You gonna do it? Hurry up, nigger. Yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I got it. I got it. But I mean, that's white culture. At things that I think about now, that's how you're talking to me, staff. How do you talk to and treat the students in Oakland who are understaffed? Mm. California, indeed. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Use of the mute button. Let us see. Number again. 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate we'll nab uh, Irie and our caller in Florida I just want to get in for our emails let's see alright first email Hi, Gus and callers, the non-white black female who allegedly, okay, black female, she has the uh, non-white subordinate, I guess, allegedly, and then the racist white woman supervisor. Uh, the Oh, and the black female, she had COVID. She, <laughs> she told us about that last week. She thinks she has COVID and she's been out for a while. So we're trying to see and man, that's why I said the update on COVID-19 is so important. Anyway, so she says the non-white black female who allegedly reports to me took a second week off due to illness mm, she has not confirmed that she has or has not contracted COVID but has said it is a viral infection COVID is a virus for some reason I think she will not tell me it's COVID due to her anti-black behavior towards me for not or for wearing a mask and taking other precautions so I do not get it dang dang hmm hey I say all the time like you are the expert on your work environment like you are total genius and I really trust your instincts because that's what the system of white supremacy does individuals classified as white they undermine our confidence in ourselves and just our own observations like you've been around her she told us about that when this victim unfortunately but this victim came and mocked her for wearing the mask and was hugging on her and and all, man that is uh mm. our conditioning has been conditioned I did mention anti-blackness this week like wow 
that is that is staggering. That I'm not I'm not gonna say. I mean, I probably would feel kind of embarrassed if I have mocked this person. Uh, about COVID-19 and then I've contracted it after I've mocked them so flag- flagrantly I probably would like yeah I don't want to uh, yeah I'm gonna I got the monkey pox or anything <laughs> anything but uh, yes I have I have got the Rona Whew, man Mm-mm-mm. anti-blackness alright continuing <laughs> Let's see. Uh, uh, Anti-black behavior. I've had COVID and know firsthand how unpleasant it can be. However, I am not concerned about my health as I've not come in contact with the non-white black female. We have been working remotely on leave or not physically in the office on the same days. Well, bravo. Uh, Carrie continues in her attempts to consume my time, delectable Negro, and use me to tell her how to do her job. Overpromoted. This includes how to do very basic IT functions, which she should already know how to do, she has worked in the organization for years. She has that in all capital letters. So I suspect this is someone who probably has not been there like three years. Probably has been there for a long time, which so important in my view. Uh, black people generally are not uh, allowed to remain employed uh, someplace for very long and certainly not promoted with raises and all the rest if they are incompetent and particularly incompetent with regards to fundamentals basics of their job that generally does not happen you might be able to be like a janitor or something lowly but I mean advancing promotions that type of thing like no you all can let me know if that is not the case if you and or other non-white people that you work with are incompetent and they just get all their promotions or zooming up CEO of the company. Let me know. Cause that has not been my experience observation at all. Um, in fact, generally it's the opposite where you have very overqualified black people in, what did we just say? Uh, parent teacher positions and that sort of nonsense. Uh, worked for years I've decided to answer one in every three of her queries unless it's something I clearly know the answer to in order to discourage her from continuously interrupting me they will do that I think that is brilliant to have a ratio that way you just already know in advance you know I'm not going to be bothered and I already know just from the beginning I'm not even going to waste my time having to respond to this one brilliant uh today she put a meeting in my diary ignoring the fact that i had another one scheduled at that time i believe my racist manager told her it was okay to do it's not the first time this has happened i told my racist manager i will need to miss the meeting explaining why without complaining about carrie she 
being the duplicitous racist that she is, said it was absolutely fine for me to miss the meeting, suggesting that I let Carrie know and ask her to send me a note outlining the discussion and actions agreed. Surprise, surprise, Carrie relied on someone else at the meeting to do the note taking, claiming the meeting was all over the planet. See, 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 and she, the, uh, our uh, listener, she put this in quotes all over the place. What does that mean? The meeting was on the ceiling, the roof, the walls, under the chair. It was all over the. What does that mean? What does that have to do with taking notes at the meeting? If the meeting was all over the place, that would mean notes are even more important to have. What did what was the objective? And then what did you all talk about if it was all over the place? Metaphor. Once it's not that Gus T doesn't like that. Gus T has concluded that sort of thing right there. That type of use of words, metaphors, is deliberate deception. That right there, when we say that white people are master deceivers, you're looking right at it. All over the place. So you have the notes or you don't have the notes? That way I can read and try to decipher myself. What does all over the place mean? See, she says, my racist manager also asked Carrie a question in the Zoom chat to which she responded. Oh, we got them that. See, see, they just will stack them. She responded. Her brain is a bit fuzzy. What does that mean? I feel like fuzzy that that my memory is not great. Might be in the word God. I think it is. If you had, if I had my last dollar and they said, you got to wager this is fuzzy in the word God. Yes or no. I'd say yes. Those fuzzy head people, those woolly head people. That's in the Bible. We get two biblical lines today. Yes. Hair like wool. Yes. Those woolly haired, fuzzy haired people who are in the dark. See, that's what I mean. Those metaphor again is not that I don't like those phrases are that they're not pleasing to me those phrases all reinforce ideas values of white supremacy racism her brain is fuzzy now who has fuzzy hair the fuzzy haired people who are in the dark Mm-hmm. and see all the white supremacy racism there is important but see same thing your brain is a bit fuzzy. What does that mean? Someone asks you a question and uh, my brain is a bit fuzzy. Hmm. Do you have the information? Are you going to be able to supply it to us at some point? Will your brain be unfuzzied at some point? Last week, I wrote about Carrie asking me to check her work and come up with the wording for a subheading, even though my director pretty much told her what to write. 
I ignored both requests as they were writing in the Zoom chat, not acknowledging I'd even seen the message. She then asked my director to come up with the wording. Are you serious? Why are you even working here? We can just have the director do it all. This week, Carrie and I met to plan the team's away day. I don't know what that is. Do y'all have away days? What is that? We talked through topics we could cover, and Carrie mentioned communication. I probed her further, and you guessed it, she was concerned that things could get missed in the Zoom chat, so she thinks it would be helpful to discuss and agree how we communicate with each other on the away day. In other words, Carrie's incompetence was exposed although no consequence surprise and she wants to feel free to call me all day every day to give her guidance it's also clear to me she has discussed me with my racist manager and the non-white black female who also raised the same issue during her appraisal performance appraisal sorry unjust networking I line manage the non-white black female, so I am responsible for her learning and development. The same does not apply to Carrie. I added communication to the draft plan for the away day. I do not care what they explore on the away day. I have my code for how I communicate with them all, and I do not intend to change. Love it. Love it. I do not intend to change. But I will pretend to agree on the no on the away day. Carrie can go kick rocks. No metaphor. Carrie also tries to use me to test out things that she believes might be viewed negatively before she discusses the issue with my manager. Now, that is interesting. Hmm. I figure she will then go back to my manager and use whatever I say rather than stating her point of view. I allow her to talk, but make a point of not offering an opinion. I am not a scapegoat. Again, delectable Negro. Now, I think that's important as well in terms of especially it can be very difficult. Uh, in terms of dealing with racists for many reasons, one of them trying to figure out what their motives are. Like they're coming to try and, oh, blah, blah. And they're just bringing up whatever random subject matter and what have you. And then they see what you say and they take that back and go and share. That's why as she, you have to be very careful, very measured with what you say. And that's another reason, no metaphors, but I mean, hey, I have to be really careful. And then, once I even have an inkling of a suspicion that you are looking to take in also why I said hey every syllable that you utter in the workplace this is verbally text email anything that you say you have to assume this transcribed recorded uh, passed verbally where they've added a few extra adjectives or what have you or removed a few important words but that's what you have to think so hey now when she comes in to talk mm, I might even hit her with that with the Mr. Fuller hmm
That's interesting. I don't I make an effort not to use the term that's interesting with talking to non-white people because it if that's all I'm going to say, it would be better to not say anything because that is so vague and nondescript that you really have not shared any information. So it's no point saying interesting unless you have further detail to clarify what's specifically interesting. Why even say that? No point saying anything at all. Uh, but if I'm talking to somebody white, oh, yeah. She could have talked for five minutes and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And then you get on right back to time. And then, and then she says, well, well, wait a minute. What, what do you think? I said, shit. You know, yeah, what, what do you think? Hmm. 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 Might even do this one. Tell it to me again. Even if she took five minutes, tell it to me again and then get back to work. And, and might even do that two or three times to waste some of their time after they've wasted 20 minutes and you still haven't shared anything. Like, man, this nigger is, this nigger, I think, these cagey niggers. Uh-huh. But I like, yeah, once you see that, I'm not going to get sit up here and give you, you know, a five minute response detailing what I think and my views and the pros and man hmm I'll have to think about that I'm not sure these are my long response it would only be one but those would be my long answers she continues uh Carrie is also keen on away day games. Where what is, do y'all have these awakening? Like, what is this? Is this like a, a maybe it's a retreat type of a thing? Maybe that's what it is. Away day. Like maybe that means they don't have to go to the office type of a thing. Uh, where you don't have those company uh, retreats and such. The getaways they go to like a cabin or something. Especially see it's summertime. They do a lot of this in the summertime where they'll some because we we've gone to the park or sometimes they'll go to like the amusement park. Frequently outings with alcohol. Like oh. Oh, I think that's that's what it sounds like. What a way day is. Yeah, I would super codified for all of this. If it's anything even remotely like what I think it is like. Oh, yeah. Codified extremely what I say. No alcohol. That would always be the case. But like, wow, that would be triple the case. Uh, If it's anything, you know, we're hanging out, getting some sun, going to the lake or, you know, something like that. Um. King Jesus Lord. So they're going to have away day games where you can find out more about people as there are people she knows nothing about. Oh yeah, she is talking about you. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's what they're doing. They got the unjust network and they're sitting around like, we are going to get this nigga. Now let's think of our questions. What do we want to know about it? How many times are you having sexual intercourse? Have you slept with a white man? They'll just go down the list and be any any kinds of tackiness and whatever, especially if alcohol is involved. So I would already anything wouldn't even be any anger like, oh, yeah, I don't want to discuss that. Like next and just keep it moving. Like I'm not. They could ask a billion times. Like, come on, guys, we're having fun. Come on, you with your girls. Come on. Next question. Next question. And I'm here. I'm participating. We're eating. Having fun. I don't want to talk about that. Next. 
I would already have that in mind, knowing that like if we're going and this is something we want to pride, get all in your personal business, like, come on. Or this might be one you can pick out, you know, different parts of your code for some people. They say, hey, I just lie and make up stuff like they say. Uh, I don't I, what I just said. How many white men have you slept with? They might even mess with them and do an old Wilt Chamberlain type number like 20,000. Next question. And <laughs> not even not even bad on eyelash at twenty thousand. Next question. Pass the cherry tomatoes, please. <laughs> and just let everybody sit there like what? What? <laughs> but yeah, that's not everybody. Some people just no comment. I don't want to talk about that one. Whatever. Other people have said that they do that sort of thing. Just whatever racist stereotype that they can think of. Like, oh yeah, I spent my uh childhood selling crack cocaine and shooting I killed five people, you know or you know whatever <laughs> like that type of thing just to what really go wow did you all know Gus peddled crack cocaine when he was five yeah 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 uh let's see uh so yes they want to know about her I added her suggestion to the draft plan and will work out my code closer to the time absolutely Carrie also stated that the social side of work is important as we don't only come to work to work really what else do you come to work to do (laughs) that's what i would like to know what else what else is there to do sexual intercourse fraternize consumption of alcoholic beverages what do you all come to work to do other than get that's i thought that was the number one goal make as much money as you possibly can learn about racism white supremacy I don't really know what else and anything else that is constructive. I guess those would be the three things. That's about the only three things that I can think of. Learn about white supremacy, racism, anything else constructive, make as much money as you possibly can. I cannot think of anything else to do while you are at work that is constructive that will not cause problems. If you all can add to the list, 720-716-7300, the code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you have a question she said so more than work we don't just come to work to work i just listened not making a comment brilliant counter racist codification like i come to work to work and that's it not be mistreated by racism make as much money as i can and that's it nothing else I would listen, though, when people, if they want to give a list of other things that they come to do when they are at work. Oh, I would write that down. That would for sure be in the workplace journal for that day so that I can be very observant. All the other things that they are going to be doing while I'm trying to get work done. Keep that in mind when it's raise time too. number again is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh let us see uh Irie in Louisiana should be with us call in Florida as well greeting yes ma'am how's everyone doing thank you thank you thank you uh hope you're doing well, despite, you know, racism, white supremacy, same for everyone on the line. I was just listening 
I didn't really have anything to add. Um, but uh, I heard Bay Area mom, you were she was saying something, and then you responded to her about peaches. But before I I get into that, so I, I think it was the white lady that said we come to work. We don't just come to work to work. So as the white people would love to say, that was a Freudian slip. I guess that's a metaphor, but she was telling the truth. She comes to learn how to manipulate non-white people and probably manipulatable white people as well, which is also practicing racism, white supremacy. Um, so converse should be true for any non-white person when they go to work. The first priority is to work, you know, do what you're there to do. And secondarily, understand the system as, as practiced by suspected racists and as experienced by non-white people who have various frames of references and experiences to white supremacy. So it's, in other words, it's, it, it's true. It's an anthropological, sociological experience, despite being economic. Um, I'm not sure where that would fit on the, you know, the nine areas of people activity, um, anthropology and sociology, probably politics and, and law. As far as the activity of education, I want to agree with you, Gus, and tell Bay Area mom that it's probably the most constructive thing for her to get certified as a SPED teacher. Um, my son even said that to me like five years ago. He's like, why don't you just get certified to be a real teacher? You teach all the time. And I, I was still kind of, mm, I don't know. But uh, I didn't do it because once 2020 occurred and then the year after being injured, I knew I was going to be out of the contemporary classroom as a teacher. The next time I would be there, I'd be doing something way more independent, which I'm able to do now. But if I was going to continue to substitute, I might as well just go on and get the master. So I would say the same thing. It doesn't. But it depends on your life there, your mom. But it sounds like it doesn't make sense for you to keep going with the current credentials you have because you're being overworked, underpaid. I know what that looks like to be a paraprofessional. I, I've done it a few times myself. It's not worth it. People have very short memories because they'll call you or text you that day, that morning, six in the morning, uh, day before. Can you come in tomorrow? We're short. The kids love you. I bet they do. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been available. But to speak on my case, as soon as I got kicked in the daggone knee <laughs> and was out for the count and then ended up having to, you know, being short on money, I filed for unemployment. They, they fought me on that. I'm currently uh, doing an appeal for unemployment from where I got kicked in the knee. So you might as well position yourself to be in a better position with better benefits, better money, 
and just able to leverage your schedule better uh, and still hopefully, I don't know, maybe even get something more stable, more, more um, like just staying in the one school. I know in the past, like depending on the district, certain schools would just have me like, okay, this is our go-to person. And it was good because it wasn't like some malarkey where it was like, oh yeah, like we're going to call you because we're going to just put you wherever. It would be very clear. Um, okay, this teacher said that um, she really likes you. Is it okay if we call you first? And then, you know, you can say, yeah, yeah, that class was cool. And then that would happen a few times to the point like I had, you know, somewhat, I don't want to say relationships, but I had decent rapport with the kids after a while. So I hope that's something that can occur for you, Barry and mom, because I just know what it's like to be abused as a, as a dispensable type of educator and anybody that's not really considered, um, permanent staff, they, they really don't treat them right. I think you're right, Gus, in a way they, I think that's team building. I think that's a team building thing. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I hope that lady, I don't know. It almost sounds like she don't need to be that anymore. I haven't heard enough of her story. Um, I don't think, but it sounds like maybe she needs to do, like you said, start updating the resume <laughs> because it's too much mess. It's just too much messiness. And, um, that's really all I want to say, uh, this evening and, um, you know, have a, oh, Gus, speaking of workplace racism, it was something I was listening to in the archives and I just want to tell you, you're great hosts. As soon as I get some some extra dividends, I'm uh shoot you some money because I really appreciate what you do. And I don't know how you do it, to be honest, because I would have gotten emotional, cut somebody out, went off, something. So you just, you're A+. Plus. I know that's a metaphor, but visualize it on a sheet of paper with a circle around it and a smiley face sticker next to it. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. That's funny. Much obliged, uh, Irie in Louisiana. That is why I use my mute button, me and Bay Area moms, so that I can curse and name call and shout and all the rest of it. And then by the time it's me ready to be live, I can unmute. Be halfway couth, at least while we are live on the air but that is why I use my mute button context of white supremacy that's two votes of approval for Bay Area mom and I guess anyone you know I would say hey if you if you're like if she was not teaching and had not been doing this type of work for like years I probably wouldn't have made this suggestion just like out of the blue. She's been doing something else like, hey, why don't you get your master's? And teach? like, I would not have uh, made that record. But if you're there and, you know, you've been there for some years, you know, why not? Like uh, that. That's why I got my yoga certification. That was the exact same logic. A non-white and several non-white people presented the exact same logic. 
If you're going to be here at the studio every day, idiot, why not be certified? That way, at least you can make a nickel or two every time. And then you'll really know yoga so that if you don't want to practice with all these white people at some point, you'll be fine. Now, they didn't add that last point, but that was kind of the final selling point that I needed. But yep, same logic. If you're going to hang out at the school every day and experience racism, why not get paid really well to do this and experience racism? Same logic, you know. Um, And like I said, I think, you know, they have programs probably not just in California, but California is one that I know just because I like people that I like ate meals with and all the rest of it. I know they have programs in California where certain jobs that you have and other programs, they will pay for you to finish whatever components of your degree you need and then bang you'll have your masters and even then if they're trying to steer you away from quality well-paying jobs with better benefits just having that masters you will get better pay better opportunities uh, for yourself even as she said even just to stay at one school might be a three four year uh, investment but I mean if you think you might be even I'd say even if you think you're going to teach for more than a year I would say do it <laughs> like hey why hang out here and you know get anything that's a credential you'll learn probably a lot I mean you think you have stories about white supremacy racism now we wait till you get in that master's program with all those white chicks and they get to talking to you and they're in the Bay Area t- <laughs> they want to talk to you about the pride parade and all they psh- Yes, go do it just for a journal. You'll have lots of of learning about racism, white supremacy and how it's been refined in the Bay Area. And oh, my goodness, you especially because you talk and about how they do all the sexual confusion. Wow. Look at what the curriculum is going to look like. Mid 21st century. What they're teaching in the schools that alone, you could write a whole like counter racist book on what. You know, what does the, the master's program look like in the Bay Area from a counter racist? Like lots of potential, lots of reasons. Like if you're going to teach there for more than a year, I said, you should just do it. Like find a program where they will pay and or find a job, job and or program where they will pay for you to do this and then do it. Because you could just do it online or whatever. Um, let's see. She I guess she's still with us. Did you want to give a, a comment since we have planned out the next five years of your uh, professional career for you? She might not be in there. Yeah, just getting, it's just turning it off uh, mute, even though you muted me. Um, so I thought about what you said um, when you gave, uh, this was like maybe a couple of months ago. I always think about what you say. So I hate, I hate teaching. So in real life, when the baby graduated from high school and went off to college, my real goal was not to be bothered with children at all. But um, what does not be bothered with children at all? But then afterwards, um, I just thought, uh, 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 anyway, uh, after uh, after everything that I uh, just going through with these children, I still don't want to teach 
But I think I'll do the credentials anyway because I'm at least halfway there. I just usually had to stop because I didn't go to college right out of high school like I should have. And once I started procreating, I had to, uh, I had to stop. So I think I will do what you request just for the pay book plus the pay bonus. And so I think I'll do that only because of the money. So even if I don't do teaching, I'll still have that piece of paper that'll give me that pay bonus. But I don't like teaching. I just like children. I'll mute my line. And thank you so much, guys. For sure. It's not oh, a request, no. just a suggestion. Yeah, just a suggestion. And, uh, yeah, I think, too, um, if I... I totally understand in terms of hey I have already done my parenting what have you and and you know done a brilliant job uh, I, I get it that is a really tough job ongoing job uh, you know she talks about that all the time um, but you don't necessarily have to be in the classroom like you could even get that masters and get some of the other like more administrative jobs within the school system where you could still do things to help non-white students. You know, you could be the one that's helping to hire uh, some of these black teachers and what have you. Like you could even, you know, specialize. If you, I mean, hey, factor that in when you're going to get that master's that you want to do administrative work. You want to be a principal or, you know, whatever else. Uh, fine. That's still a pay upgrade. You would still get to learn a lot about racism, white supremacy in education, what it looks like the grad from a grad school level and and like I said you could probably do a lot of that stuff online I bet like that I mean for everybody that could greatly minimize like so much stuff I mean that was the case before but COVID-19 like woof you can greatly minimize lots of your anguish and racism just I'm online you don't have to be around the folks in class you don't have to directly experience all that from the professor watch the content online and you know probably can take a lot of the exams and stuff online as well so but yeah if you're going to be in that environment I would say get the credentials and just figure out a way if you really don't want to have that all that direct day-to-day contact with students no problem get a nice uh, cushy principal job or superintendent's position even better something like that and uh, pay upgrade you're still helping black children still experiencing racism but just getting paid a lot more while you're being victimized and you could get to stay in one location with a more comfortable chair. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Our caller, <laughs> our caller in Florida is with us. I will share, I guess the email again is until justice at gmail.com. If folks have um, email or yeah, if you want to write something in, they had a report in the LA Times let's see I have to make sure I thought this was so funny I'm not a Juneteenth fan at all like I'm in no way out you know with a sign and what have you Juneteenth holiday right (laughs) that is not how I'll be using my time and energy but they did have a report in the LA Times uh, despite push states slow to make Juneteenth a paid holiday Recognition of Juneteenth, the effective end of slavery in the U.S., gained traction after the police killing of George Floyd in 2020. Is that true? 
like more people started celebrating or acknowledging so-called Juneteenth in the last two years. Is that true? I feel like they've done tackiness during this month for like a long, long time. Anyway, uh, but after an initial burst of action, the movement to have it recognized as an official holiday in states has largely stalled. Although almost every state recognizes Juneteenth in some fashion, many have been slow to do more than issue a proclamation or resolution, even as some continue to commemorate the Confederacy. <laughs> Lawmakers in Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, and other states failed to advance proposals this year that would have closed state offices and given most of their public employees paid time off for the June 19 holiday. The trend infuriates black leaders. All of the leaders of black people are white. Incidentally, they would have to give me like names. Who are you talking about exactly? Who did you like poll or you know, did they call any of you? I guess we're not black leaders, but I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of things that I could be infuriated about. If we want to use that word, Juneteenth being a paid holiday is probably somewhere close to where my outrage about Walmart's Juneteenth ice cream. I didn't care about that. I don't care about Juneteenth being a paid holiday. Uh, so let's see. Negro leaders are upset. Uh, this is the bare minimum state officials can do to help honor an often overlooked and ignored piece of American history. Juneteenth commemorates when Union eh, eh. last year, Congress and President Biden moved swiftly to make Juneteenth a national holiday. It was the first time the federal government had designated a new national holiday since approving Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 1983. Yet the move didn't result in an automatic adoption by most states. The same thing happened with Dr. King's holiday. We read about that repeatedly in Gil Scott Heron's autobiography and then again in Coretta Scott King's autobiography, reading way more important than watching television. Uh, in Alabama, Republican Governor Kay Ivey issued another prop proclamation making Juneteenth as a state holiday earlier this week after state lawmakers refused to take action on a bill during their legislative session, even after the, she voiced strong support for making it a permanent holiday back in 2021, the state closes down for Confederate Memorial Days in April. Days? Is it plural? <laughs> That's clowning. <laughs> they shut down for a whole week for Confederate Memorial Come on. Come on. Come on. Like, uh, do I need to read any more of this? I just thought this was, you know, clown. I don't know if, uh, is that like taxpayer money? If there's a paid holiday, is there, is there like a logical reason when they say, Hey, let's make Dr. King's holiday. And eh, like, it was a lot of racism at that time. We talked about all that, but I don't know if there's like a logical reason. Like we, you know, we, we got to watch our budget. We can't have all these, you know, excess paid holidays and all the rest of it. Like, what is the, the logical reason given to eh, I don't, I'm not in a hurry to push this Juneteenth thing forward I'm not either make sure I <laughs> Gus T. Renegade is not shedding any tears literally metaphorically about Juneteenth 
Anywho, uh, again, if we have any listeners, if uh, they had any Juneteenth jamborees uh, in your work environment, uh, emails, anything else, let us know. The number 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, see our caller in Florida should be with us. I'll look for other folks uh, as I see hands. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, there was some uh, scenarios where Juneteenth did come up, right? Uh, and I do consider it tacky in a way, but I know they started mentioning it because uh, a black male went and asked another black male about it, and he was um, denied in a anti-black fashion. And then it came up this week, and I think they were trying to, um, once again, click members, um, trying to engage in conversation about it. But I think they just wanted to just have, oh, I just want to say we can just get a day off, you know. That's just a typical white supremacist conduct. Um, but I think they was, they was trying to get me to, talk to them in some way, but I was just focused on what I was doing. And they mentioned the post office was going to be closed, which turned out to be the truth because I spoke to uh, a black person in the post office and they said that they were going to be closed on Monday. Um, And I say that to go into... (laughs) We had like we had a meeting this morning. Like just today alone, so many things happened. Um, the uh, the new white HR lady manager, she like she started out saying that. Well, you know, I know you noticed the 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 clerk white man boss isn't here. He's attending a Juneteenth breakfast right so i just sat there and thought about that i said i guess this is going to be their way of mentioning uh juneteenth and then another way they did it was in an email where the fourth of july father's day they were (laughs) they were mentioned in bold print with a following paragraph but for the juneteenth it said around the town in bold. And they were talking about black businesses are having some kind of uh, market going on or something like that in a concert. So uh, my, my next one is there, there was a, a black female, right? The manager. That's my manager. Are you going to, she asked the, she asked the, the white guy, the clerk, 
well, are you gonna are you gonna close the building? Are you gonna close the courthouse for Monday? He says, well, I won't be able to do it because the courts they're going to be open. So, you know, I tried to talk with him, and he named the guy another white man upstairs in the courts. Uh, you know, so what's going on? Are we going to close this thing or what? And the guy responded. Well, no, um, we are uh, supposed to be staying open. And then he asked, well, do y'all have any court uh, proceedings or any court docket or hearings going on? He said, no, we're just going to be staying open. (laughs) So so the the, the victim now, she was like, wow, I just don't get it. I'm just so surprised. And the white woman said she's surprised. I didn't utter a syllable, not one. Okay, now I looked at them now, but they were saying that they were surprised. And she said, well, now hitting this has got to be a metaphor. I thought a hopscotch or something. She said, maybe they missed a step, right? Missed a step. And then he just stood there and looked at her. Uh, and she said, well, you know, I put in my request. Maybe next year. So he says, I agree with you. And he walked. he walked out. He's still walking around looking stressed out. And I think he want he wants to hear the viewpoints of me and another black female. If two, maybe three black people. Okay. Um but yeah, she said missed a step. That that's the I wanted to use that quote. I don't I don't even know what that means. So uh and and in the meeting, right? I did a strategy, like I stood in front of the whole, um, the whole staff, majority white staff, uh, and I stood like about maybe five feet away from the the white people presiding over the meeting, and <laughs> I just I just stuck my hands in my pocket, and I didn't. I, once again, I didn't react to the birthday singing, and it was real childish, like. Um, they got this non-white, non-black female with the, uh, it's a little, the, the cardboard circular, uh, cylinder type tube that go in the paper towels. She's speaking into this, like she's talking into a megaphone to saying happy birthday. So I, I'm telling you, I did not react and they were starting to stutter. They didn't know. Like the, the the two white people in charge didn't know who wanted to go for it. No, you go first. No, you go first. And then um, a few more things. We have a new black employee, right? A black female now. This is, okay. So the racism, I think they started to get on white codification because the majority of the uh, the white people that are in that racist office click um you know they were just starting to just go silent they weren't saying too much and the the lead racist uh white woman she was she was bent down leaning on the cashier box where the black female is seated so she was the, the white woman and the meeting said, "Oh well, we have a new employee. It looks like we have a new looks like we have a new employee." 
So I'm looking over to the cashier manager, which is this white woman, and she took about at least three to five seconds to to uh, to stand up and stop blocking the, our visual of the black female. And she said, oh, well, here's our new employee. And then racism was practiced because somebody in the uh, white staff, I think it was somebody classified as white, she said, well, are we supposed to clap, right? Now, throughout the many years we've had these meetings, uh, people would clap on cue, applause or whatever. Somebody asked, are we supposed to clap or do we clap? And then there was a, you know, unenthusiastic short uh, time period of clapping, you know, but this is a black person who I'm hearing is already in conflict with these click races, right? They don't even want to train her and all of this, at least from the reports I'm getting. Uh, I got two more. Um, I'm hearing already that a black female, another black female, is um, being condescending. Oh, or a white female. I'm, I'm classifying this person as a white person. Okay, because she has a history of mistreating black people. Um, so we had another new black person start that's on a headset. So apparently I've seen her behind a door talking with two higher level white people. I'm assuming I guess it's about her conduct, her mistreatment of a black female. And this white woman, uh, came and asked me about, you know, basically has she been practicing racism toward me? I said, yes. Um, Because she said that this white person has been looking at this black female and talking to her as though she's incompetent. And she sit at the front counter and she looks to the side and see her being mistreated. So I guess you just shared all of this in the meeting yesterday. Um, but yeah, I guess she said she was observing that. And my last one is a metaphor was used on two occasions this week where I was speaking to another black person, a black female. Now this white woman, um, she comes out of the office and I guess she's saying that she's going to move her car. She says, I'm going to water the horses, right? And there's some white people that sit and that can uh, respond and can tell she's about to leave the office. And the victim, she's noticing the, the language in that, like she thought about slavery, you know. And the, it was two days later, just yesterday on Thursday, well, I'll be right back. I'm going to water the horses. She said it again. So I decided I wanted to write that one down. And uh, other than that, I've just been uh, focused on trying to help the customers. And I got two customer compliments. And one of them wanted to send me cash out money. I said, I couldn't accept that. Like, I can't do it. And And that's all I have to share. Thank you. That is spectacular, like right on. 
love it go and that's why i said like generally speaking like that's what we have we have black people just like our call in florida they're going to work following the rules and regulations not going in drunk not trying to sabotage other people and cause them problems and all the rest of it i'm here to work hard if they you know have public servants or whatever i'm here to help people out as best i can other employees get it paid as much as i can that's most of us like if it wasn't for racism white supremacy could go get my compliments put that in a newsletter thank you kindly get my raise and we move right on that's not what we have now with the juneteenth uh what you might have some folks who say hey now they he said that they had to look around town Look at all the black businesses that we got here in Florida. You might have some folks say, look here. Hey, we already talked about, you know, black entrepreneurs having a tough time. What's wrong with that? They're promoting black businesses. What's what's, what's your beef there? I would have just said, why couldn't they have just used the title? Just uh, analyzing the way she put together the email. And I just thought that was very interesting. And and also she used, well, this is something going on in the community. She'll use that for uh, holidays like the Martin Luther King holiday, like you just mentioned. And she did it with Black History Month. I noticed that, that pattern, she'll use the word around the community or around something. So she used that again with around the town. But Father's Day, she put Father's Day there. If you have any pictures with your father, you can send them in, and we can put them in the newsletter. And then, and then uh, with Fourth of July luncheon coming up in a few weeks, if anybody wants to uh, wants to help us decorate and wants to volunteer, we're going to be doing that. And yeah, the way that she worded the holidays, it was just interesting that she changed it up on the Juneteenth one. Hmm. I see. I see. Maybe she's not quite as comfortable with Juneteenth as she is, you know, some of the other longer and better legacied holiday Fourth of July, Independence Day. Uh let's see. The uh Mista Step? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. Like, uh, missed as hopscotch, I guess could be missed a step. Hmm. If they didn't have any cases on the docket, and they said, so do we have any cases? Nope. Just going to come and stand around. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they missed a step. <laughs> They got it plain like now. That's one where I, I had to scratch my head because I I thought too like a paid holiday or at least a day off in the summertime. Now like yeah, I'll take that even for Confederates Day maybe <laughs> like uh yeah I'll, I'll take that like okay on the plantation anyway like all right and a paid day off Robert E Lee Day right on. They don't know Dr King holiday. I don't know that Negra uh, Juneteenth. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, 
I think we're gonna come in. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't have any case. Yeah, we're just you just yeah we're just gonna we're supposed to be open, so we just come stand around and and then I guess they missed a step. No, they didn't miss anything. They just made a flagrant decision. Dedicated white supremacy racism. Uh, the I'm not into any of that. That's why I said Juneteenth, all of that, not on my list. I'm not upset about it. He said I didn't have a word to say. Seemed like another one where we got white people coming around. They call that fishing. And they say, oh, it's a shame missing steps around here and can't have a Juneteenth holiday, isn't it? You hear, you hear what I said? I said, it's a shame we got that Juneteenth can't have holiday around here and don't respect our African-American citizens and everything they've contributed to this country. Isn't that so? <laughs> hmm. I think she was upset because I didn't let her uh, get any of our AC, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> the AC, she, I think she upset with me. But, hey, they, she, she a click member, so they all they are dedicated. They are definitely dedicated. I mean, mm-hmm. online, Facebook, TikTok, cell phones, like, they, they stay sharp with their racism. I guess metaphor sharp, but I'm just saying. Hmm. Indeed, indeed. Have to be mindful of that. Said that a few times. See where the people in white people and non-white people. We had both today. Coming, talking to you, trying to get you to say something so that they what? Uh, what'd you say? Mm-hmm. Everything you say, verbally, written, whatever it is, everybody who has worked at the company will work at the company. They're going to get a transcript of this. That's the way that you have to think. And that's why frequently the best thing to say, nothing at worst, you can take your time and think of the absolute best thing to say if you wait as opposed to responding if something need be said at all and for that absolutely not Juneteenth come on um, <clears throat> the happy yeah I'm not with any holidays I've said that very plain and and if you were start if I was starting a job I would just say that because then you can minimize all of this that yeah I did, I've said this before I was raised Jehovah Witness we didn't celebrate anything Christmas, 4th of July, birthdays, Guy Fox, Groundhog Day, nothing. And I don't do that now. I've just continued that in my life to just let them know so that I'm excused from all of that. Oh, yeah, he's, you know, little odd, just didn't grow up doing that. Because, I mean, there are people that are like that. Just tell from the very beginning. I mean, particularly if that means I get to miss out on we got a used paper towel tube to come and, are you serious you we are supposed to be grown working at the courthouse this is not showbiz this is not Chuck E. Cheese pizza we are at the courthouse are you serious let's be adults man we're trying to be universal man 
universal. I mean, at minimum, it's oh, hey, brother, black brother, happy birthday, right on, good to see. Okay, right on. We get back to work. What? We gotta come. Are we in kindergarten? Even if we had been in high school, since we were talking about, I would be feeling some type of way, like whoa, like. We, I'm trying to. They got this cute little lady in the corner. I'm trying to holler at, like, hey, 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 like, hush all that up, man. Anyway, uh, birthday aside, that's why I said I just nip that in the bud metaphor. Try as best you can to excuse yourself when you start at the job. Uh, let's see. Now he said the new hire they got the the new hire and they did all the tackiness now I think he said been on the job for a decade there did they have a time before we all had the meeting I guess this is pre-Rona they had the meeting and they had a white person who was not a new hire this was some person who I don't know let's say they taken a vacation they went to Disney World for a little while or whatever but they were not a new hire. They've been working there for however long. And it's oh my goodness, is that Billy in the back? Oh man, we haven't seen Billy in about five summers, isn't it? Oh, Billy, let's give it up for Billy. Stand up and let the people see you. Spend Billy, give, give it up for Billy. <sighs> Billy, 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 Billy. All right, that's enough. We love you, Billy. We get you know it. We've just got to show Billy some love. Okay, all right. And he said they had a brand new hire, black person, right there. Billy on the other side of the room. Now the brand new hire black person that they're supposed to do the hey we got it. and they said all right we're done we gave Billy a little love we're gonna get out of here and he said he had to stand up be like wait a minute don't we have a new hire we'll say Rhonda in in the corner uh aren't we supposed to uh Jesus Christ uh yes we got uh Rhonda damn Rhonda yeah all right. All right, let's get out of here. Did that happen before? I know I'm paraphrasing, but did that happen sometime back? Yes, sir. That, yes, like that was right at the beginning because they did it. They did it. It was um, going into February. They they missed it then. And then it went into March that next month. And they you are correct. They were uh, introducing some new white people and even a white man that was at another building and then came back. We already knew who this guy was, but I'm looking in the corner and the black female didn't even get introduced. That was, that was the white female warden, the the warden, like she is very racist. So the way she looked at me when I said that, she was like, are you serious? Like, she she did gave me like she gave me a very nasty look. I said this person has been ignored for three months. She hasn't been introduced. <laughs> like the way she looked at me. I mean, she retired this year, but yeah, that that is the the real leader, like the clan leader, I think. But I'm just saying. But yeah, that that did happen. same way that white people look at patterns I look at patterns too when they do the same types of things over and over even it can switch people have another black person and eh. yeah 
really <laughs> like that's that's what I said. really that sort of thing it should make it really easy like I'm cool on all of the holidays my birthday your birthday so called like I'm cool on all of this yeah I'm not about anything but work making money and learning about racism so when I see it I recognize it for what, like that's it right there and then you get to see it over and over and over like I got it the uh let's see <laughs> are we supposed to clap what, yes. what, what are we supposed to do what 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 clap I don't eh. okay uh let's see the water the horses uh got to slavery I don't even I I mean are you going to the restroom or I have no idea like I would have just had to write that one down and especially once somebody's brought up slavery or whatever like yes I'll just write that one down and that's why I'm a big advocate of no metaphors because I really what are we what what and I know racists, they like to have us confused. So sometimes they'll deliberately say things like that to be cute or vague, deceptive, a little bit of all three. Uh, Let's see. Anything else? Yes, that'll be good. Uh, Much obliged our caller in Florida. Uh, Oh, yes. Retired firefighter in Florida. Do you have commentary you wanted to get in? Yes, I was uh, just listening, and uh, you know to, about uh, Juneteenth uh, and its connection, possible connection with uh, the workplace. Uh, I would strongly advise uh, that uh, non-white victims of racism, white supremacy, have a have a code prepared and ready. Uh, uh, it, with me, it would be quite easy because I would just call in sick. <laughs> I wouldn't even show up to work that day. Uh, never did. Never did understand the uh, the. Uh, purpose of such a celebration and uh i've been around it for decades uh but never did understand it did didn't make much sense and that would tell me that's another reason why it is something that uh white supremacists actually uh are willing to adopt because of its of its uh confused uh, nature in itself. Uh, and, uh, I mean, compared to the, comparable to the other quote unquote celebrations that take place in the workplace, uh, you know, with, when it comes to things like food, uh, uh, when it comes to like decorations, you know, when it comes to food, well, what what type of food is going to be is going to be at something like that? 
fried chicken and watermelon or something, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, what the slaves ate, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's tacky and trashy is, is, is on my mind when it comes to that. And I wouldn't be surprised if some terrorism takes place within the environment also if you show up to work that, that particular day. Uh, also, one thing that I think is the reason why is it's acceptable by white people because it'll be an excuse for a white person or a segment of white people to uh, encourage adulation for themselves, which is something that white people strive for, especially from from their niggers. Oh, that oh, oh Henry, he he's all right. Uh, uh, what he had to say in his organizing of this day and making sure it goes off all right and that sort of thing. They they enjoy that, you know. Uh, so those are some of the things that uh, you know have to be thought about and uh you know make a decision to you know not show up to work that day you know uh or if you know that's not really the thing to do then have a plan definitely have a plan on how to navigate through those eight hours uh wow i mean i don't even know what day it's on but anyway those just are some of my thoughts thank you Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Have a code, absolutely. And that code sometimes, absolutely, exactly what he just said. That code can be, yes, I'm going to take this day off because I already know there's going to be lots of trifling behavior and might even be some victims are involved in it. We are victims confused about racism. <laughs> firefighter told her, told us. Uh, victim was going to come in with the, the monkey mask on so I mean you might have all kinds of madness if you know that type of thing might happen on this day we the uh, away day that sort of thing I'm just going to take some time off we got you know it's summertime I got something to do with my children or whatever now if you know there's going to be a penalty for this don't do it you figure out your code for how you get through that day being there maybe you take a half day if you can't take the whole day without it you know costing you professionally take a half day at least but oh yeah if you can take that day off and just miss it no big deal that's why you have personal days vacation days all of that minimize contact that's what they say that can apply in lots of constructive ways Uh, that will be a broadcast we'll be here tomorrow Saturday compensatory call in we will catch up or review reports, uh, events from the last seven days, uh, what has happened on the plantation uh, incidents in, oh, it's been seven years. I didn't even grasp. It has been seven, all of the nonsense about Juneteenth, it has been seven years since Dylan Storm Roof killed nine people in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, Mother Emanuel AME Church including state senator reverend clementa pinckney seven years 
June 15, 2015. President Obama was in the White House at the time. Like that input progress. Now, tell us about how much progress we have made in those seven years. Anywho, we'll uh, review that. Make sure people have not forgotten uh, as well as other incidents. Man, almost had a repeat. They had a white 15-year-old with a gun bragging about how he likes to do the exact same thing that Dylan Roof did. We'll review tomorrow. Compensatory call-in. Much obliged for all the folks who participated. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Again, we had lifeguard talk last week again talk to your children especially if they can't swim even if they can really but especially if they cannot a lot fewer lifeguards they said Ooh, that's going to have an impact on the colored children white people's fault that doesn't make it any better that said, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. They say if you're going to be out near the water, probably don't want to be intoxicated because you lose your equilibrium. So you are much more likely to have a whoops and slip in the lake or pool or whatever. I think they have a lot of accidental drownings that way. <clears throat> People intoxicated lose their balance in, or even on a boat intoxicated lose their balance, fall overboard, or fall into the water. I think someone told us last week, retired firefighter, doesn't take a whole lot of water. In addition to being sober, if you're out and about, we are not engaging in sort of conflict or what have you uh, with someone. If they are looking hostile, name-calling, rowdy in public, we should be thinking that they could be armed with an entourage. If you did not leave your residence prepared to kill and or die, exit. Call the enforcement officials as you are vacating the premises. If you're in a vehicle, you're sober, buckled, not on a mobile device, doing the small things that we can to stay as safe as possible under conditions of white supremacy. And we need all of our attention. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in no name calling no reckless production of offspring nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim What's brother your problem? you're a victim right. i'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>